1: Fans, are you ready to brave the wild with me? Your host, Dino Joey or Joey Owajin. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pod MN, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Audible <laughs> for from Amazon, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. As right here and right now, it is the granddaddy of them all annually: State of the Wild 2021. Great to be on board back with you today. Uh, it's going to be, well, I'm going to fess up with you really quick right now. I had already recorded segment number one, and it was probably too long, so maybe this is a blessing, but uh, I was halfway through segment number two. Days later, I had uh, saved everything, everything was fine, and the hard drive went bad, basically. At least that's what appears what happened, particularly for that file, and everything's gone. And then the computer completely crashed. Like, I cannot restart it. So, I have a brand new laptop. Nice, beautiful, new Lenovo laptop. I had HP before. Both good brands. I have nothing against either one. So, it is what it is. Starting all over again. And I have an SSD drive. Before it was the old-fashioned disk drive style. i got to think this is going to be an improvement. And it sure seems to be so far. So, just letting you know ahead of time. I'm sure you're fascinated with this story. But, uh, I had literally half of the show completed. If not more than half. So, I was just a little... A little bit irate, a little bit pissed off. So hopefully, I can condense this uh, first segment a little better than I did the first time around. Sometimes I just get too ex- too excited to talk, and I just keep going. So, and I'm not going to go over every single thing as much as I did, but uh, I went a little bit too much into just blah blah blah, almost game by game gameish during the course of the season, which I think is a little too far. So that's that's kind of the whole deal. There looks like it's functioning nicely. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> First segment is the season wrap-up. Yes, I'm still going to do it. I'm just going to do it in a more condensed fashion if I can. Segment number two, we'll be looking at the draft, uh, which I have at least five players that I really like around the two picks. At least five. Maybe I'll add another one. Uh, of course, look at free agency and more or less what the Wild would do after moving certain players away or what players they'd move. You could probably guess at least one $6 million contract coming off the books in a trade somehow, Somewhere You can probably guess who that is. Okay, it's Dumba, uh, possibly in a trade. But really, anything could happen. And I had an off the, conversation, conversa- uh, off the mic conversation with Derek Felska multiple times during the course of the last few days. Of course, also, he knows about the crash of the computer. And he, uh, yeah, oh, he could tell how upset I was. But yeah, you know, he's talking about the possibility of, you know, we could be in big trouble here a, a little bit with uh, Kaprizov if he wants only three years. But that's kind of how that goes. We'll get to that in segment number two. Segment number three will be Fan Interaction, which will be very, very good. Could be looking at a lightning round return of Tom Hayen. How cool is that? Once again, I love Tom Hayen and the others that post as well. So let's get into the season wrap-up now before it's a two-hour show already in the first segment. Oh, boy. Well, the Wild opened up the season with the Los Angeles Kings, and they won 4-3 to three twice. That was great. We, had, we got to see Kirill the Thrill be for real, according to... Anthony Lapanta, he started things off fantastically, great passing skills, this and that, and of course had the game-winning goal off his skate. But it works, it works. If it's a soccer goal or whatever it is, it works. Same thing with guys like Julie Ericsonek during the course of the season. But um, you know, it wasn't the sharpest game, wasn't the greatest game, but LA was a little better than a lot of people thought. I think, uh, <laughs> as funny as that sounds, they only won up with forty-nine points because they kind of tailspin during the course of the season in the later stages, but for a while there, they were kind of competitive. Kind of competitive a little bit. It wasn't bad. And they, they gave us a little bit of a hard time. But the Wild were able to win the first two games, and Carrillo the Thrill played pretty well in both of them. Then the Wild again, stay in the Los Angeles area. We had our first loss of the year. One, nothing. Meh. Defeat to the Anaheim Mighty Clucks. Yep, John Gibson, the former actor. No, I'm just kidding. Well, John Gibson shot out the Wild. Then the Wild beat them 3-2 to the next game. San Jose Sharks a 4-1, to crushing... On the 22nd and then we lose a couple in a row to the sharks and the los angeles kings there were situations like that but uh wild ultimately finished the month of january reasonably well we got what six wins and four losses so nothing too spectacular nothing too great but at least we're kind of on the right track we're kind of doing okay kind of a fringe playoff team, this and that, and then reality sets in with Colorado, and it sets in again, right after Colorado, 2-1 to one loss with, on February the 2nd. Groundhog Day, I believe, which, whatever, it doesn't matter. I think we had a pretty early spring this year, which is nice. COVID kicked in and all that, and regardless of how you feel, or how scared we should all be about it, it, it it's a real virus, but, you know, it, are people overreacting? I guess that's for you to decide. <laughs> and, yep, um, the Wild had six games postponed, Unfortunately, against Colorado, Arizona, St. Louis, and Los Angeles Kings. Miles well, come back, and again, further proof of how it works. Sometimes when you come after a long layoff, well, it's one thing you don't score, but you give up four goals as well. Goaltenders just don't do well when they're on long layoffs, and that's why I didn't like that and later in the season was just kind of sitting there, uh, and we were kind of overdoing it a little bit with Cam Talbot. Did it hurt him in the playoffs? No. Luckily, no, but eventually it could. Eventually it could, because that's what happens with some of the older guys. It's just amazing, because he's not old, but he's older, you know, getting up there. He's he's in his 30s, him being Cam Talbot, and of course you want to keep uh, Kapokakkanen in the net more often than not, i got to think, even though he wasn't spectacular, but again, he lost his niche a bit. He kind of lost his mojo being stuck on the bench so long. So, it's kind of frustrating. Um... Playing goalies and back-to-backs doesn't make a whole lot of sense, in my opinion, but that's how it goes. Uh, the Wild would then win the last six games of February. Pretty cool against Anaheim twice, San Jose, 6-2. to two. Awesome win there. 6-2 to two win over the Colorado Lanch, but of course, this was not with John, uh, with Grubauer in there. Not that Grubauer was that spectacular in the postseason. He, he just got beat. Philip Grubauer. I almost called him John. Jonathan. It's Philip Grubauer. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Wild only put up 24 shots. Really beat up on Grubauer. It was pretty cool. And Kakinen, who was just awesome on the road for the longest time, especially during his nine-game win streak, which was second all-time to Double D Devin Dubnik uh, back in that uh, great uh, 2015 season, 14-15 season, when he debuted with the Wild. Oh, I hate when this does this. But that was a cool moment uh, later in the month to see Mr. Double D Devin Dubnik (laughs) or, excuse me, to see Cabo Kakinen look like Devin Dubnik, I guess in the great moments. This thing doesn't want to do the right thing right now that's okay yeah it's not the computer it's freaking the schedule i don't know why this happened last time when i was doing the first segment but at least the wild started playing significantly better after that Kirill kaprizov kept getting better and better guys like just you just notice what a what a difference they were making it was so cool uh, as we'll kind of get back to what they're doing as well, real quick too before I continue into March is JT Brown officially has retired from the National Hockey League and he will be the color commentator for the Seattle Kraken. Congratulations, JT Brown, former Wild and of course uh, Minnesota and Iowa Wild player, kind of an off and on career and it's a bit of a standout with Minnesota Duluth, but didn't have that great of an NHL career. It's nothing against him. There's plenty of you know guys that ended up being more of role players and ended up being fantastic uh, commentators. Uh, guys like Rupp and such out there. Uh, He actually played for the Wild for a season, if I remember correctly, and yes, he did. Uh, Definitely a standout player for a team that got to the uh, National Championship back in 2011. Pretty cool for J.T. Brown. Good job and good luck in Seattle at the end of the day. But it was cool during the course of the season, and again, it just shows more and more the wisdom of Bill Guerin and, and uh, the guys around him saying that, hey, we got a clear space, as much as nice as it is to have veterans that are still good like Eric Stahl, and congratulations to him. He's in the Cup Final at the moment that I'm recording, segment number one. Montreal Canadiens in the Cup Final versus Tampa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tampa's believable. Montreal? Well, we'll see. Maybe they're the LA Kings of this year, and they have a great goalie, just like the Kings did when they won their two championships, especially the 2012 one, when they surprised the world, 2014 they were all, they were pretty good. Uh, back to where I need to be. Eric Stahl, again, congratulations, though, buddy. That's what got me sidetracked. Um, still a solid player. Obviously, uh, was Eric Stahl, so of course he's a loss, especially in a pos- uh, center position. That's just you know, uh, you saw the games. We don't have centers really. We we kind of do, and we have at least one legitimate, for sure, decent one in Jules Erickson Ek now, and again clearing. Room on the roster so he could move up really made a, a benefit for Jules Eric Sinek, where he was a bit closer to that point a game guy he is in the AHL. Every time Jules Eric got sent to the AHL, he was a point a game player, and that was freaking cool to watch. Uh, Jordan Greenway stepped up as well, 32 points in 56 games, with only six of them goals, but definitely wonderful playmaking skills. Trivia question Who actually led the Minnesota Wild in assists this year? Anyone? Anyone? No, it, it wasn't Drew Erickson. he only had 11. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, Zuc... Nope, nope, it wasn't Zuccarello. He, he, he probably would have if he played the whole season, but... <laughs> Jordan Greenway led the Wild in assists the 26th, so yeah, it's kind of cool. Obviously, he has his off-and-on moments, and in the postseason, it was like... Ugh. There were moments where you were like, are you kidding me? There are other moments where you saw the physicality, where he asserts himself. You saw signs that he was asserting himself this season much more than he had in the past. But generally speaking, Jordan Greenway still, you know, there's still a little bit of that, uh, you know, okay, woohoo, you know, side to him. That's kind of frustrating. Jewel erickson though, definitely looks like a 20-goal score, 20 to 25 goals a game in the future. Got to get the assists up. But I, I kind of get it. Obviously, centers are a little different, and we'll talk about that in segment number two nowadays, where they're not just looking to pass, pass, pass all the time. You know, it's not like the old days. Now they're looking to score too, kind of attacking the net and such. It's, it's just a different game than it was. And Jewell Erickson kind of plays that game, and it's pretty nice. Uh, I got to think he's going to be one of those guys. Bill Guerin's going to do what he can to sign in the offseason, unless he asks for way the heck too much. I got a hope for something like four to five million a year. It's it's not going to be cheap, but it's not going to break the bank either. Kirill Kaprizov, well, yeah, it is what it is. Kevin Fiala, well, it is what it is. It is we got to sign them, and it's not going to be easy. Fiala might get a nice long-term deal, but. There's a 50% chance, according to Michael Russo, that he's on his way out. But uh, again, after kind of a slow start, it seemed like things just weren't getting going for Fiala. He started really picking it up, well, you know, early to midway point of the year and kind of kept going most of the season. It went up with 40 points, 20 goals, 20 assists. I got to think, he's 80-point level. Uh, 100 points is probably crazy. I was talking about that before. But I guess it depends on who's around him, too. Not only him setting up players, but uh, getting set up as well. Kevin Fiala. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov reminds me of Mark Stone in a lot of ways. Um, he really does with his passing skills that are elate and the fact that he's, you know, a tenacious uh, player on the poke check as well. Back check and poke check. He can poke the puck away. Uh, he just, he's aggressive uh, on all, in all assets. Uh, he could be a penalty killer. He's, he's that good. Obviously power play, no question about that. He wound up leading the wild in goals at 27. 51 total points in only 55 games because of the, you know, the <laughs> the COVID uh, COVID, com- combined with a bit of a labor dispute during the course of the season. But um, really wonderful year for uh, Mr. Kirill Kaprizov. Early on, only three games into the season, the Wild acquired Ian Cole for Mr. <laughs> Greg Pattern, who actually had two assists in three games. Wrap your head around that. Two assists in three games for Greg Pattern? That's like a career high almost <laughs> for a season. Yeah, uh, You got to see guys like Nico Sturm improved during the course of the season his skating is outstanding yes it's you know, it's outstanding yes i'm playing with the canadian accent you got to see that uh, marcus johansson took a while to get going but eventually he developed some chemistry with guys like kevin fiala especially it was kind of cool to watch and then of course magically they got mixed up again and then marcus jo- johansson got injured again and i don't know it was just kind of a meh year for marcus johansson odds of him coming off the books pretty high we'll talk about that in segment two i keep jumping ahead just like you know, always Jonas Bergen emerged really nicely with nine goals. He, he can—he's a guy who could definitely be on a power play unit, believe it or not. Even though you think of him as just a stay-at-home defenseman, he's neck—he was neck and neck with uh, Jared Spurgeon all season. Which you know, he's Jared Spurgeon is an intangibles guy. That's why he's a good captain, even though he's not like a big rah-rah guy necessarily. But he does a little bit of everything very well. Ah, uh, very well. He's not just—he's not just okay at everything or kind of good at everything. He's actually very good at uh, everything. He's got a good shot, good passing skills, really good, uh, solid, intelligent defender and all that. Um, but uh, Jonas Burdine, neck and neck with Spurgeon in points the whole season. They would have each got over 30, maybe would have pushed 40 during the course of the year. Ryan Souter's numbers really, really dropped this season. He did play in every game, only 19 points, only three goals during the course of the season. But again, still on the power play most of the time, Obviously. Uh, but obviously, minutes dropped a bit, which is good. Uh, Nick dad was kind of what he was, kind of an in-and-out guy, but still actually pretty productive, considering he only played in 44 games with injuries and scratches and such, 6 goals and 17 total points for him. But 11 goals for Nico Sturm, a guy that I really like. <clears throat> Unfortunately, he probably is, at best, a third-line center, generally speaking, but so what? He's still very good, and he's the kind of guy... That has a skating skill that could really you know benefit this club for many years because the biggest problem with this team particularly at the center position but pretty much everywhere is the skating issue it's just not been good uh generally speaking and nico's terms emergence this year is very positive obviously he's not a very <laughs> he's a very very young guy pardon me i think i'm too far away from the mic here um <clears throat> i get a little too comfortable as i'm talking uh just generally speaking, you know, Nico Sturm. He, You know, he's, a, he's, he's not super young, but he still has time to develop and continue to get better. That's what I'm trying to get to. Obviously extremely productive for Clarkson in the past. The Golden Knights. The Golden Knights. Yeah, the team that knocked us out of the playoffs. Victor Rask, yes, he got a much bigger role, and it was too big, and there was frustration with that the whole damn season. That's what got people annoyed a bit at the end of the day. Um, still had 10 goals, 13 assists, 23 total points. You know, he was okay in the faceoff. He was in the number one power play unit most of the year, okay. Which you know, okay. So he can win a face up once in a while, but he wasn't that good at it. Yeah, you know, it was okay. I mean, he still had a losing face off record. Nick Medino had the best face off record, three sixty five to two two twenty three twenty six. Julius Eck lost more than three uh, three ninety five to four forty four. Lost. Yep. Ish. Nobody was good at it. Uh, Nick Bukestad, 125-145. Nico Sturm. Okay, ready? Nico Sturm, 69-65. to 65. Okay. Marcus Johansson, 32-53. to 53. Ooh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Kirill Kaprizov, three wins and 21 losses. <laughs> Luke Johnson, well, he played in 14 games, and he had 44 wins and 43 losses. Well, he had an above 500 uh, face-up record. But he scored one goal in 14 games, and that's it. That's it, and he was at plus one, I believe. No, he was a minus five. I'm looking at the wrong thing. One point in 14 games, so, uh, (laughs) yeah, well, yeah. See, yeah, that's obviously a position of need in a big way, and hopefully the Wild can address that one way or another, and again, hopefully Marco Rossi can become a good face-off guy as the Wild move forward. The winning streak that we had ended in a thud with Vegas. Just that's when we first started actually losing to Vegas was in early March, and then we made up for it a week later. And, of course, the Wild generally owned Arizona, but not all the time. Of course, the Camp Talbot had been out for a long time and came in to play against Arizona, and he gave up four goals. So, and it was pretty quick. It was kind of frustrating. It was against a team that had not played well against the Wild all year. So, again, further proof that when a goalie's out for a long time, it's not beneficial. Obviously, if they're hurt, they're hurt. But if you're just sitting him, I don't think that's productive. I don't think it helps him. This, this is just this isn't the day and age anymore of 66 starts for the uh, number one guy. It should be like 50, 48, something like that. You got to have confidence in your backup goalie, especially when it's a guy like Kakinen, who I think is a you know he's got a bright future in the National Hockey League. I'm not sure if he's a Vesna Trophy guy moving forward, but like he's like going to be a legend or anything. But he he's going to be he could be a very productive, very good consistent solid goaltender in the NHL and of course again don't overplay him either it's the same thing don't overplay him either just like in like the AHL maybe he got overplayed a little bit there same same damn thing same damn thing at the end of the day Nick Bedino productive season 26 points Uh, you know he's productive generally he had a lot of time out there though of course he was in a lot of situations especially every penalty kill but pretty much every power play as well that's why again his point production is high because he was on the ice all the time one way or another, regardless of the fact he's a little older and he's not that great. But I would not mind bringing him back in a Matt Collin-type role as we move forward, praying to God in heaven that at least Marco Rossi makes the wild and is at least, you know, in the second line, maybe third line role. He's not going to be a top-line center. There's no way, unless he's just crazy good. But even still, he wouldn't be there for a while. It would take time to, to earn it. You have to consist, You have to be consistent to earn a number one center role at the end of the day. Guys like Ryan Hartman, obviously very solid. Matt Dumbo, only 21 points in 51 games. You know, I just... Mm, Zach Breezy really, really dropped off. A lot of people believed that he was uh, better than the credit he was getting. And he was like, what, like the ninth best forward, which, you know, I kind of get that. I kind of get that, but... <clears throat> the, you know, obviously better than Marcus Johansson, but that's not saying much. Marcus Johansson, with certain players this year, played well, which was very good, obviously, like Fiala and such, but... Generally speaking, he did not have a good year. Um, obviously, nobody's worth, no, neither one of them are worth the money they, they have now. Suter and Parisi, the money and the cap hit, and it's not going away forever. So that's not a thing we have to deal with. Again, that's for segment number two, so I apologize. Yet Still, the season, generally speaking, 18, 18 points, 45 games. Parisi got scratched a little bit. He got hurt a little bit. He had COVID. He had this, he had that. Uh, Suter, obviously, again, looked very intelligent, very solid. He had a really bad start to the year, but he kind of got rolling and improved during the course of the season, but he's not a candidate for either award, one way or another, either award or demerit during the course of this season. Uh, Cam Talbot, a bit up and down, of course, again, because of the injury. I think his goals against average could have been a little better. 2.63, is decent, but he did get two shutouts. Kapo Kakkonin also got two shutouts. 2.88 goals against average. Save percentage for Cam Talbot, 91.5, and Katkin and above 90, 90.2. But again, that's because of the horrible uh, turn during the course of the season. And again, I'll say it a billion times, how things just kind of snowballed for him when, in, in a negative way when uh, he was not on the ice anymore. It was not between the pipes, is what I'm trying to say, uh, very much later on during the course of the year. He, he should have been between the pipes a little bit more often too. I mean, five more games, three more games, something that he had I think. But that's just how it goes. And it seems like a lot of coaches are stubborn that way. As good as uh, Dean Nevison is, occasionally he can get a little stubborn. But I guess that's uh, that's coaches. Boudreau could be stubborn. Mike Yo could be stubborn. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And of course, again, don't even get started on the locker room and all the weird behavior going on during the Mike Yo. And Bruce Boudreau, and of course, uh, early on, still uh, last year with uh, Dean Evison because of course all, uh, there was a, a bunch of pieces still just not in place per se for the locker room to improve. It wasn't the worst locker room ever. They weren't a bunch of a holes that hate each other and then you know all ultra selfish. But there was a divide in the past. It just wasn't good. It, 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 it wasn't a winner's atmosphere at the uh, at the bottom line. And hopefully that can change as we move forward hopefully uh, hopefully hopefully (laughs) i thought i had this up i'm in the wrong place here but you know the wild generally speaking played very well against vegas this year but we did see the first couple times that we did lose to them that's just a fact where arizona the wild owned them colorado god after a pretty awesome winning streak came to a pretty good thud here nice well it's a five-game win streak like six out of seven, so to speak, and then another win streak right after, and then, yeah. The Wild were pretty streaky the rest of the year. Let's just leave it at that. 11-1 to little stretch on the 18th and 20th with Colorado. Who do you think had 11 and who had one? Yeah, Colorado had the 11. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, those were not good days. Uh, Both goalies were, yeah, unfortunately a net for those. Anaheim, Anaheim Ducks. The Wild sweep that little series in XL Energy Center. We win it. We finally played St. Louis for the first time on the 25th of March, and we win two nothing. That was a harbinger of all things would go between Minnesota and St. Louis rest of the year, wasn't it? You know, yeah, we're gonna just kick St. Louis's ass. You know, Kir- Kirill Kaprizov's 11th goal and this and that. St. Louis, we own them. You know, Cam Talbot. You know, he stopped 37 shots. We only got 11 shots in Bennington. We'll be fine. Only 11 shots. That's 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 all we needed. You know, because. Bennington sucks. St. Louis is just kind of like, they'll be lucky to squeeze in the playoffs. And, you know, Camp Talbot's the man, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, no, St. Louis kicked our ass the rest of the year. I think we won one or two more games, (laughs) if I remember correctly. But uh, it wasn't the happiest of times, was it? Ooh, it wasn't against St. Louis. They really took it to us, didn't they? the wild then got swept by the sharks in san jose we got shark bit or something like that we just got beat badly by the sharks we always play them in march at some point sweep vegas again and in vegas impressive 3-2 2-1 making us feel real good yeah we want to play vegas in the postseason well either one would have been very tough uh 5-4 loss to colorado 8-3 loss or 8-3 win over colorado we're feeling so good about ourselves on april the 7th we're so happy about it we head into St. Louis and it's a nine one demolition. <laughs> nine to one LOSS to a team that has one game above five hundred at the time, because they were struggling around with uh, Arizona. And they scored nine goals against the Wild. And they were all against Capo Kakkenan because we didn't want to mess around at that time at that stage. It's it is what it is, you know. Sorry, Capo, that's one of the reasons why his goals against average went up. <laughs> Mustered only 25 shots against uh, Jordan Bennington. That's not too bad. I guess it's better than 11. We only managed one goal. And yeah, that was the low light of the whole damn season, other than losing game seven, six to two. But, eh, you know, it happens, unfortunately. Nah, three to two lost the next day. We played way better and still lost. Postponed again. There was another postponed game again. That was interesting. And then, oh yeah, we went six games in a row again. Talk about streaky. It's just crazy. But it was Arizona San Jose and the Los Angeles Kings. So they weren't the best teams ever. Two losses in a row to wrap up the month of April. God. Uh, and we actually beat St. Louis again. Hallelujah. That was trick and cruel on, on May Day. And we celebrate Cinco de Mayo with a loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. But on the third, an epic Game 7-like performance, I thought. I thought this was going to be Game 7. Maybe it might as well have been Game 6. 6-5. to five, victory, Minnesota versus Vegas, a back and forth, beautiful battle, kind of reminded me of Colorado, Minnesota, 2014 not 2003 that was, I I guess it'd be similar but it was too like 2014, higher scoring and such, and the Wild ended up coming out okay, that was an awesome game, it was probably the most awesome game of the whole season to watch, Uh, most entertaining, especially if you don't mind the fact that too many goals are scored in the game, made the goalies look kind of bad but the teams were just both primed and ready to go you could just, just, you could just taste playoff atmosphere between Minnesota and Vegas in that game. And it had been developing in other games during the course of the season. You could just tell. These two teams were bound to be in the postseason. And I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened. It sucks that we lost, but I'm glad it happened because now we know. You know now we know what it's like to play Vegas in the postseason and all that, and I think we can beat them next time around, hopefully. Especially if Montreal can. I think we can. But... I don't know. I guess Montreal can beat them. Another sweep versus Anaheim, but not the prettiest games ever. Four to three, four to three. And then we just kind of said, "Screw it, we're in the third. We're in third place. We don't want to get people hurt." So Parisi's out there instead of you know like Fiala and Kaprizov. Yes, I, I do understand that. It just sounds funny, though. It sounds funny. Parisi, yeah, put Parisi out. Yeah, Suter. Yeah, you know, Parisi and Suter. Yeah, well, well you know, Suter's kind of like you know like the number three, number four defenseman right now. Parizi's like the you know ah, Parisi's like the the, the ninth or twelfth forward. So yeah, no, it is what it is. It is what it is. Just put him out there and this and that and let Capo Kakanen and get his ass kicked and that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> Eleven to three in two games, four nothing and seven to three. Ugh, fest. And then you had the entertaining series of the Vegas, which we pretty much know what happened, and I talked about that on previous episodes. Of course, a very entertaining first game. one nothing win with Julek Janek being the hero. And that was really cool because I thought Julek Janek played awesome the entire series. I thought he was the best forward on the Wild throughout the series versus the Vegas Golden Knights. I gave him the Mike Madonna award for the entire series. Uh, and then the guy would be a close second winner on Talbot, but I think uh, um, I really believe that Julek uh, Janek played wonderful. Wonderful. Um, in that series, Dumba had off and on moments, but that's Matt Dumba damage. 3-1, Vegas was just better. The Wild looked like they, we had a shot in that one, but then they were just better. Game 3, Vegas just kicked our butts most of the way. Of course, then again, there was a turning point in that game where a call didn't go our way. Uh, we didn't get a goal that we believe we should have had, and then it was just... The next thing you know, the Wild lose 4 nothing, and are down 3 games to 1, which sounds generally familiar for uh, Vegas taking a 3-1 to one lead in the series, because next thing you know, it was Game 7 after the Wild had a weird games, game five, very weird game five, what did we muster, like, it was 21 to one, right, in the second period of that game, I know everybody's talked about it a million times, so you don't need me to go into that too much, and everybody had the right to talk about it, because it's ridiculous, 21 to one, <laughs> and we won the game, next thing you know, Talbot's fantastic, the wild puck possession was finally, like, where we want it, where we hope it would be, even more, on a more consistent basis, a 3 nothing victory, Twins or twins. Yeah, I feel like Herbie Puckett and game six home run there, but it wasn't quite like that. And then uh, that would be more like Richard Park's uh overtime winner versus Colorado sent us to game seven. We'll see you we'll see you Monday night. <laughs> and they won the series, yep. And then this case, Vegas. This was the first game seven loss for a Minnesota team in quite a while, quite honestly. Unless you want to count game five versus Seattle with the Timberwolves. Uh, which, you know, it was a deciding game back then. First round went to five games, which I think is a little better. I think it's a little, actually a little bit more of a sprint into the playoffs for the NBA rather than seven-game series, and some of those uh, series are not good. But uh, the Wolves blew an opportunity to knock out Seattle. They ended up taking a 2-1 lead and then losing the series. Losing game four at home was just a crushing loss. So disappointing, heartbreaking. Uh, and then Seattle killed us in game five. So you could say that was the last official one. But for me, I go back to Detroit, Game 7. It's the last loss for a Minnesota hockey team in Game 7. Again, unless you want to count the national championship game for go for hockey, but uh, no, it's not a series. It's one game. <laughs> Minnesota, in that case, had the 3-1 to lead over the Detroit Red Wings. It was like, this is cool. And then you lose Game 5, it's like, crap. Well, well, it was in Detroit. Figure they're not going to go away. So we'll finish them off in Game 6 no the wild the north stars didn't finish them off in game six and then game seven of course detroit scores early the north stars kind of hang in there a little bit hang in there and then they just pull away and it's just like goal after goal after goal and uh, well we'll see you in several months this is fun and that's pretty much what this was it's was the same thing game seven uh again game seven lost to the Vegas golden knights so that's pretty much <laughs> the post-season. It was fun. It was nice. It was an awesome series. Let's just be honest. It was an awesome series. It just sucks coming out on the losing end of it. And yes, Max Pacioretty did not play until Game Seven, and he made a difference. And he he did. He actually had the uh, the dagger goal in a lot of ways that put the Vegas Golden Knights up three to two. Technically, that's the game winning goal, and that was the turning point of the game. Jordan Greenway was pretty much caught sleeping. He was just doasty do doasty do. You know, waltzing, just kind of just just gliding down the ice. And Paxaretti just kind of just kinda of passed him. And then Jordan Greenwood was like, Oh, okay. Oh, oh that sucks. Oh that sucks. Well, we'll we'll get him back. We'll get him back. No, you didn't get him back. You didn't score another goal again. And they did. And three more times after that. <sighs> yes, Max Paxaretti. I can't ever say that name really well. It doesn't roll off my tongue real well. But former Montreal Canadian, I'm sure he's kind of disappointed right now, all those years in Montreal, and they booed the bleep out of him the whole series. And they beat them. <laughs> they beat the the Golden Knights and Pax on the other side of that. Ouch! Terry <laughs> Price though very happy for him at the end of the day. Um, yes, I do think of Max, let's just call him Max or Pax or whatever you want to call him, was on the line was in the roster the whole series. It probably would have been different. Probably. Most likely. It might not have gone to seven games, but but maybe it would have. I mean the wild just for whatever reason. Matched up well with this club. We're, we're kind of similar teams, you know, in a way. It's just Vegas has more firepower. No kidding, you know, <laughs> no kidding. Their best defenseman is better than our best defenseman. Their top forwards are better than our top forwards. It's just that simple. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov does remind me of Mark Stone. He does. Uh, Kevin Fiala, when he's on, he's spectacular. But just, they're just deeper, stronger, this and that. Uh, Mr. Ryan Reeves made no friends in this postseason. Obviously, he was a jackass the entire series, and bruising uh, Parise's cheekbone was not cool at all, throwing him into the net like that. And the worst part about that, of course, was the way that he flipped out at the referee, thinking, what the hell? What kind of bullshit is this, you know? No, dude, you're the bullshit. Why would you do that? It's like, there's just no reason for that kind of stuff. Um... Uh, it it was intentional and it was obvious and he continued with his behavior as the uh, playoffs uh, moved on. Of course, there were other bad moments like Scheifel as well. (laughs) I think that was, yeah, that was versus Montreal. Yeah, really early in that series. Obviously it's just stuff like that. Come on. You know, come on. We can be better guys. We can be better NHL players without uh, doing that kind of stuff. There's just no need for it. Sometimes you get frustrated. You want to really hit smack a guy but do it in a do it in a reasonable fashion. Don't don't literally... Uh, what, what would it even be? It was like a suplex, what uh, Ryan Reeves did uh, early on as well. And uh, it, it's just too much. It's just too much. So with that said, let's get to the actual wrap-up in terms of the awards for the season. Slightly shorter than last time, which I think is better. Might as well. You know, I think I went on too long last time, and that might bore the listeners... <laughs> which you are, the listeners, so I appreciate you all so very much. The most valuable player for the Minnesota Wild in the 2020-21 <clears throat> season, even though it was only in 2020-21. Uh, Wrap <laughs> your, yeah, that's a tongue twister. Kirill Kaprizov is the most valuable player for the Wild. He made things go. He made the team better. He made the more competitive. Wow. Uh, again, he reminds me of Mark Stone, and he can do a little bit of everything. He's got a little Patrick Kane in him as well with the stick handling. Just very exciting. What Kroll cool Kaprizov can bring for the Wild for many, many years to come. Plus 10 on the year. Really cool. Really cool. One of the better guys out there in that case. Felino. and Jalurksenek also very uh, notable in the plus minus category. Susie was a plus 22. How about that? Whew! Crazy when you think about that stat. But um, generally speaking, it just, a, uh, just very positive going into next year as long as we can get everybody signed and everyone's happy and we don't get this feeling like, oh, he'll be gone in three years. Adios, amigo. It'll be fun while it lasts, but hopefully, it's hopefully it's going to last a lot longer than just three years uh, after this one with Kirill Kaprizov. That's the tough part, though. Free agent, just like that. Oh, doesn't that suck? Doesn't that just suck? <laughs> other candidates for most valuable player: Cam Talbot, of course. Uh, I'd even say Julexanek is a candidate for most valuable player. Kevin Fiala should be up there, at least in the conversation. But uh, you know, even Brodein, like a distant dark horse. As good as he is. He was good most of the year, but obviously not perfect. Well, Kaprizov was your most valuable player. Biggest disappointment. I was not happy with Dumba's lack of production once again. 21 points. But generally speaking, uh, you uh, you know, he kind of already did this last year. He was kind of the same player last year. You know, still some of the mental gaffes. And then the offense is just not there for some stinking reason. Hopefully it regenerates at some point unless if he's on another team, watch watch it happen. But uh, Marcus Johansson was the biggest disappointment because you expect a little bit more from Marcus Johansson coming into the season. I wasn't expecting him to be this world beater, but I thought he was going to be more of a factor than he was for the Minnesota Wild this year. I thought he was very disappointing during the course of the season. Couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it was lack of chemistry, lack of effort, lack of something. Just something wasn't there. And in a contract, year, you'd hope for more than that. We'll see what happens with Marcus Johansson, but I truly doubt he comes back to Minnesota unless it's on a dirt cheap one-year deal. And that's, that's about the way it's going to be, I think. I'm guessing the, the, he won't even get a call, though. or Him or his agent won't get a call from Bill Guerin or one of the Minnesota Wild uh, Brats. The <clears throat> biggest surprise, there's always a conversation there with who the biggest surprise is. <clears throat> you could kind of say Greenway. You could say Eck, Jewel Erickson Eck. Definitely, you, could, you know, some people could have even said Kalkinen with the nine wins in a row, which was so cool. I really loved that at the end of the day. Ryan Hartman was a bit of surprise. He was very solid, but he, he wasn't that great. He was just very solid. Um, at the end of the day, I go with the biggest surprises, is Jewel Erickson Eck. Uh Not because... I didn't expect him to do it. It's just, when is he going to do it? Where is it? Where is it, Jewel? Come on, let's go, let's go. Uh, Greenway getting 32 points was cool. It was really nice. But Jewel Erseneck was just better. I mean, that's why he's even an MVP candidate in a lot of ways. You could even say Kirill Kaprizov was a surprise in terms of how quickly he adjusted to the National Hockey League. It It was just right away. It was just overnight. Oh, he's in the NHL? Yeah, well, he's still a star, just like he was in the KHL. Yeah, oh yeah, you he, he, he blinked. He's still a star. <laughs> that kind of thing. But Jewel Eriksenek will get the uh, biggest surprise of the year. Even though it's like, again, you know it's there, just when's it going to come? That type of thing. And it finally came of bit. I expect uh, even, uh, even more improvement going into next year. But he was on pace for about 25 goals and, you know, something like 45, 50 points. That's pretty good. And the fact he's an unbelievable defensive forward as well. <clears throat> Maybe somebody will be a stalky guy. I, I hope so. I really hope so. With that said, we'll take a quick break and now look at the future of the Minnesota Wild now that we have wrapped up the 2020 2021 season. We'll be back after this. <music> started a couple years back on Timberwolves explosion during the state of the Timberwolves I believe 2019, 2018, 2017, whatever year it was uh, because I figured you want to keep the show mostly on the wild or the wolves depending on what team it is we're talking about and in this case it's because yeah I mean this this segment was created so we could talk about the postseason basically so we do have a little time to talk about it. Also though before I even get into that. It would be rude for me to not mention Tom Curvers. Uh, the passing of Tom Curvers on June the 21st, 2021. Born September 14th, 1962. He was an absolutely fantastic defenseman. Grew up in uh, Bloomington, uh, played for the Bloomington Jefferson, and he was just absolutely one of the greats. Um, obviously, an amazing career. Played for Minnesota Duluth. Got to the National Championship game, lost in four overtimes, played for the Montreal Canadiens. He was actually taken uh, in the 7th round, 145th overall in the 1981 NHL entry draft. Of course, played for Minnesota Duluth and got to the '84 championship game where they lost to Bowling Green of all teams. Bowling Green. Tom Kerber's as a defenseman. We'll remind you how he played defense. Yeah, 76 points, 18 goals, 58 assists. Absolutely fantastic. Never really was about the glory or anything. Never really wanted all the credit, this and that. He'd always pass credit on to his teammates. And he was the same way as an executive for the uh, Minnesota Wild. And, of course, also was a big part of building this maybe maybe dynasty for Tampa Bay. I mean, they got to the Cup Finals in 2015. Unfortunately, lost in six to the Chicago Bleep and Blackhawks, and I was pissed. Uh, Last year, marched past the Dallas Stars after losing Game 1. And this year crushed the Montreal Canadiens in a big way. Vasilevsky, of course, we'll talk about him in a second. But uh, Tom Curvers obviously helped build that team with Steve Eiserman. came to Minnesota with Paul Fenton, and stayed with Bill Guerin. And then unfortunately, for some reason that we don't know, developed lung cancer without having uh, smoked a cigarette in his life. Smoked a cigarette, cigar, anything like that uh, in his life. Um, just a really bad break and that's pretty much what he called it. I uh, was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota officially um, Six-foot 190 in his playing career again, just you know, he wasn't the biggest guy, but he didn't have to be he was just fantastic He was stern. He was Prolific though. I mean even in the NHL you look at his numbers and you're just like holy crap. He was really good <laughs> He was a damn good player Montreal Canadiens as a rookie, and of course, yes, it was a little more offensive game back then. But even in the even as the league got tougher and uh, tighter, he still was very productive. Being Tom Curvers, of course. Heck, I even put him on the roster for my uh, NHL '95 for the Dallas Stars. I had Bill Guerin, Tom Curvers, <clears throat> guys like that with Madano and others, that were part of the Minnesota <laughs> Minnesota North Stars or Minnesota Wild, one way or another. Uh, and just Minnesota ties I brought, even brought Dino Cicerelli to that team. So it's really cool. The curve is just great on that game. And NHL 95 is really good, even though that was the end of his career with the Anaheim Ducks, only seven points in 22 games. The 94-95 uh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks, as we would call them. But no, as a rookie with Montreal, 45 points in only 75 games. Pretty awesome. Not only, but in 75 games, career high of 66 points for the New Jersey Devils in 88-89. Uh, 52 points for the Toronto Maple Leafs in 70 games. 15 of those goals. Absolutely great career. 56 goals, or 56 points, pardon me, for the New York Islanders. 9 goals, 47 assists. 91-92. Uh, that was when the North Stars were still in Minnesota. So Curvers, of course, played against the North Stars. Uh, never against the Minnesota Wild, of course. Not quite young enough. I wish he was. Uh, unfortunately, died at age 58. Tom Curvers, Everybody on the planet thought he was the greatest guy. I never met him, obviously. Uh, some people did, though. Um, some people in the uh, the hockey community that aren't like, you know, Michael Russo and all of them, you know, like that are really in the media, like the media media. They're in the alternative media like myself. Um, some of them have met him, but I, I never got a chance. But just listening to him on the radio, you could tell he's just a kind, genuine individual. So, I mean, I'm very happy to, to uh, very happy to, to owe it to him, to bring up his name and get, pay his respects pay my respects to Tom Curvers. As, as sad and depressing as it is that he would pass away like this. It's just terrible. Um, things just kept getting worse and worse, and he ended up uh, leaving this earth. Uh, just God bless him in a big way, him and his family, Tom Curvers. We will now give him a moment of silence. With that, we will attempt to uh, segue to the NHL playoffs, of course, back where we left off. Of course, the Wild had been defeated by the Vegas Golden Knights 4-2-3 in the series. And on that last show, I talked about the Vegas Golden Knights somehow beating the Colorado Avalanche in six. Somehow I developed the guts to pick the the Vegas Golden Knights to beat the Avalanche in six games when they were getting crushed 6-1, flashing on the same TV I'm looking at right now as the Lightning in Tampa Bay celebrating their third Stanley Cup championship and second in a row. They're pretty nice franchise, aren't they? Pretty successful. Um, and Vegas won it in six. It was just shocking the way they just took over after after Colorado had won the first two games. Uh, New York Islanders outlasted Boston after a great start by the Boston Bruins. So you have to have the Islanders face off of Tampa as things would have to move around because Vegas took over the number one overall seat in the postseason, having knocked off Colorado in what was called the... Western Division. <clears throat> yeah, it's just uh, it's so confusing, isn't it? Because things are all different and messed up and changed. It's like con Confrision, Confrision, Conference Division. Yeah. Well, yeah. Montreal had came back from three games to one, took fours at Game 7, and they ended up winning that seventh game since the last episode. They crushed Winnipeg in four games to get to the Conference Final to play Vegas. Well, it looks like Vegas is going back to the Cup Final here we go. This is Vegas's chance. I mean, here we go. Golden opportunity. Montreal. But, well, Montreal had earned it. I mean, the way they crushed Winnipeg made it look so easy. You figured everything will be fine. Vegas, the way their offense opened up, and they were able to kind of outmatch the Colorado Avalanche and outdeep them. It was the depth, basically, that helped uh, Vegas beat Colorado. That's, you know, and Grubauer wasn't as good as you'd think he'd be. He just wasn't as sharp. And then Montreal got physical with their big, strong defensemen, and they beat the Vegas Golden Knights, despite getting beat pretty bad in game one. I mean, just because just a team wins game one in a series doesn't mean the series is over. Um, and boy, did that prove it. Uh, the, the Colorado series, heck, Minnesota beating Vegas. Yeah, well, it was just a one nothing game, so I guess it wasn't that lopsided. But a 5-1 to crushing of Montreal. You figure Vegas is going to the final. No, they didn't. And then Chaba beat Montreal 5-1 to in the final. And, well, that ended up being kind of how it went. But we'll go back and forth. Uh, Tampa Bay, yeah, we'll talk about them in a minute. New York Islanders, just that stifling defense. Good, solid goaltending. They could have won the Cup this year, very much, when you consider how close they were to beating Tampa. I mean, they were damn close. Because, well, let's get back to where Tampa was after the New York Islanders outlasted the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins. Tampa Bay beat their uh, Florida counterparts four games to two. They just crushed the team I picked to win the Cup. But I did say, I did say... So I'll, get, I'll take some credit here, even though I don't deserve it. I'll steal, like, 10% of the 100% piece of pie. 10% of it saying whoever wins that series is going to win the Stanley Cup. Well, they did. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And Tampa just crushed Carolina in, four game, in five games, Part of me. It was just, uh, it was easier than it should have been. How about that? They just kicked their ass. And, man, Vasilevsky was unbelievable. And it's really ironic how Vasilevsky, in all... Four Series because it takes four series to win a Stanley Cup in the closeout game got a shutout, so I think that's your consummate winner. Pretty safe to say, and again, keeping a really nice Carolina offense down to two to one, uh, pretty good. Their only loss was an overtime game, three to two, in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And when I saw the Lightning, we uh, beat Carolina six to four. In game number four, I'm like, I think not only they're going to beat Carolina, they're probably going to go back to back. But, of course, I didn't get behind the mic and had already made my pick. It was going to be Carolina-Vegas with Carolina winning the cup, or Carolina. And who did I have in the final? I think it was Vegas. I can't even remember now. I'm pretty sure it was Carolina-Vegas. Carolina-St. Louis, that's who it was originally. And, of course, St. Louis got absolutely smoked by Colorado. Kind of funny. Uh, the Tampa-New York series, though, that was probably the best series of the entire playoffs, even though you might call it boring hockey because there was one nothing and this and that. There was also an 8 nothing Tampa Bay win, which is just crazy. Crazy. That's when it's like Tampa wins the cup this year. 8 nothing Pittsburgh Penguins versus the uh, no, de, 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 that team that played in Bloomington, Minnesota. We'll leave that alone. But Pittsburgh, yeah, Tampa Bay does have a little Pittsburgh Penguins to them. When New York beat Tampa 2-1, to one, though, you thought maybe, maybe they really have a shot at this. But Tampa just kept coming back, coming back. But then New York kept coming back again to tie it up in that 8 nothing. New York forces a seventh game with the OT win. And then it's a one nothing, just a oh, heartbreaker for New York. They gave it everything they had, everything they had, the New York Islanders. And they just couldn't beat them. You could see the tears in their eyes. They were so heartbroken. Because New York beats Tampa, they win the cup for sure. Even though it would, it would have been pretty cool to see a New York Montreal final. New York Islanders, not Rangers. Even though I'm sure a lot of hockey historians would have loved to see the Rangers. I don't like the Rangers. I don't like the Rangers at all. There's nothing old school about them. They just sign all the most expensive players, and they've been doing that forever. They put together some nice players through the draft. They've been a little better about it, but back, back in the 90s, it was like, ah, oh, you know, this guy, ah, oh, you know, that guy in the early 2000s. It was so annoying. They would sign all the most expensive free agents and not win Jack. Heck, I mean, well, you know, they even put together a lot of old Edmonton Oilers players on uh, the New York Rangers team. Well, uh, You know, it was kind of funny how that turned out, but they ended up winning one cup out of it. I'm glad it stayed at one. I don't want them to win another cup unless it's against like uh, Chicago Blackhawks or something. Then go Rangers. Go get them. Go get them, Rangers. <laughs> Great, uh, great to see Montreal finally get back to the final again. How cool was that? Even though I was kind of disappointed, I I know you I know you all hate Vegas, and I don't blame you. And I hate Ryan Raves; he's a jackass. But and I hate some of the other players on that team. They they were a little bit rough. They were kind of naughty, so to speak. They're just naughty boys out there. Naughty, naughty boys. But uh, Montreal shut them down just like Dallas did a year ago. It was uh, really something. It was really something indeed. And then Tampa just kind of you know. The reason why Tampa Stanley Cup champions is because not only because they have the best lineup, because they do, they have absolutely the best lineup in the NHL. But it's also the fact that they are virtual chameleons. I mean, they adjust to whoever they're playing and they, they match your every move and kick your ass. That's pretty much what Tampa does. You know how the Angry Video Game Nerd, I'm sure most of you don't know who that is, but if you do, he was uh, reviewing the game Zelda 2. And the final boss is your shadow. It's Link's shadow. You know, the final, the main character's shadow. And he said, he will, he will batch your every move and kick your ass. That's pretty much what Tampa does. You want to play a defensive game and uh, they can do it and beat you. You want to open things up, they can do that and beat you. Uh, And they have the best goalie in the league and he is the consummate champion, Mr. Vasilevsky. Congratulations to him. I mean, again, closeout games, all shutouts this year. And he was just good, strong, consistent the entire series. Montreal did get that OT win, preventing me from releasing the show on Sunday night, so it ended up being Wednesday night, or early Thursday, depending on how long it takes me to edit. Shouldn't be too long, but again, uh, Audacity is different at the end of the day. Audacity is a little different <laughs> with this uh, new laptop, but because uh, it's the newest Audacity. i had been using the old Audacity to adjust to that old computer. And it was nice for a little while. Corey Perry is unfortunately on the wrong side of the equation again, just like last year. But I don't think a lot of people are huge fans of his. Cole Caulfield, pretty amazing rookie here getting to the cup final. Eric Stahl getting back to the final and not winning, unfortunately for him. It's a nice young team with some talent. Kerry Price was fantastic. Uh, he could have been taken instead of Ben Wapulia, but uh, we took Ben Wapulia. So that was back in the 2000s. Five draft, uh, no six, two thousand six draft. Pardon me. That was uh, after that freaking lockout ended, and uh, it was nice to see it end because there was no oh four oh five season in the NHL. It was the 0-6 draft, fourth overall pick Ben Wapulia could have taken Carey Price, maybe things would have been a little different for the Wild, but maybe not, because the roster around Carey Price wouldn't have been so great for quite a while there. Though so then again, I suppose during the uh, Gabrick and Demetra days, maybe it could have been interesting, but uh, we'll never know. God rest uh, Pavel Dimitris' soul as well. Uh, Tampa Bay, though, they have it put together. I mean, they have everything. And, of course, Braden Point versus Louis Belpedio. It's it's never going to end with us. Every team has these where you have draft regrets. But, I don't know, whenever whenever it's your team, it feels like we're the ones with the most of these. Braden Point, and we let Tampa trade up to take him. And we were happy to take uh, Louis Belpedio, who's maybe at best going to be a third-pairing defenseman in the National Hockey League. Braden Point almost ended the Stanley Cup final in overtime in game number four, which would have been a clean sweep. Uh, sweeps are boring, but five-game series aren't much more exciting, unfortunately. Just Tampa was better. They were just better. Again, cool to see Montreal back in the final. It was their first appearance in 93 when they beat the Kings. After losing game one, they won the next four, and they won a ton of overtime games throughout those entire 93 Cup playoffs. They were just unbelievable. Uh, at Gretzky's club, they were just, you know, just, this just wasn't enough. Montreal was just better. It was a nice team. As you see Brian Bellows hoist the cup at long last, and Patrick Waugh hoists his second, and he would get his third with uh, Colorado in 96 after demanding a trade from the Montreal Canadiens at the time. Um, Montreal's last loss in the Stanley Cup final was to the Calgary Flames, so a Canadian team was going to win, whether it be the Canadiens or the Calgary Flames. The Canadian team was going to win in 86. So we're still waiting for the next Canadian team, be at the Canadiens. you get the idea what I'm doing here, <laughs> to win the Stanley Cup. Vancouver <clears throat> was the last team that had a legitimate shot at it, and they just fell apart against Boston in the end. Um, poor uh, Issa Jerome, I'm sure that still sticks in his craw, and I don't blame him. It sucks. Losing sucks. Uh, it, it just does, at the end of the day, but uh, what a sexy, gorgeous lineup. Uh, Kucherov was one of the best players in the league. Vasilevsky, probably the best goalie, Andre Vasilevsky, of course. Tyler Johnson's a really good player. Minnesota ties. Steven Stamkos was arguably one of the best players in the league uh, going up to the twenty nineteen uh, fifteen Finals, and he let the team down quite a bit that year. And then he was off danger. injured. He missed a lot of time last year, but they still got the cup. Tampa Bay had the best team in the league by far in 2019, but, of course, utterly choked to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets um but an absolutely great team well put together anthony anthony sorelli is a physical solid awesome player who can win face-offs a little bit Barkley goudreau was really good in the face-off circle um again victor hadman might be the best defenseman in the league he's just so good ryan mcdonough is really nice saranax good Sergei serge, serge, serge Sergeyev. david Savard. i mean he just goes up and down he was a nice acquisition during the season it's a great team, well put together, and who's to say? They can't? Who's to say they can't be the first three-peat NHL team since the New York Islanders in the early 80s? So could happen. could easily happen. Maybe Tampa Bay will be like the 82 New York Islanders and win three in a row. I think it's safe to say they're the favorites next year. I mean, uh, who's who's going to beat them? So we'll see. I think Tampa Bay right now, if I were to pick Tampa Bay three-peats, next year. Congratulations, Tampa Bay Lightning. Awesome season again. I wish the Wild came back with a vengeance after choking right away to the St. Louis Blues, after just having just being disappointed. Disappointing. Out-coached, out-played, out-this, out-that. Outsmarted, out-this, out-that. Out-efforted by the St. Louis Blues, by Mike Yo's club with Jake Allen, who was on the other side down the Montreal Canadiens, getting a uh, Campbell Conference Championship for the first time in eons, I'm sure, for them where Tampa went up with the Prince of Wales, just like last year. Like, Nor- when it was still counted as a normal division, but in the bubble, Tampa getting to win in front of their home crowd. And the city of Tampa Bay, Lord have mercy. Tampa Bay Rays lose the World Series. That sucks, and I hate the Dodgers now for some reason. I just don't like anything Los Angeles anymore. I'm sick of them. Um Sorry, Vince Germano, if he's listening. Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Loved that. I can't stand the Chiefs anymore. Can't stand them. Tampa Bay Lightning went two cups and now three overall after defeating the Calgary Flames in 2004. What a nice franchise. Of course, again, getting to the cup final in 2015, losing to the frickin' gosh darn Chicago Blackhawks. And they lost in the 2011 Eastern Conference Finals to the eventual champ, Boston Bruins. They got there, but they got beat, unfortunately. I believe Mr. Yeah, (laughs) Dwayne Rolison was still playing. I believe that was one of his last years in the NHL. Uh, And he was a big factor for that Tampa team as they were developing, trying to go for another run. But uh, three, four years later, we'd really see what Tampa could do. And they've been great ever since. They've been absolutely great. The city of Tampa Bay, fourth straight, our fourth championship round appearance in the last frickin' like eight, eight, nine months and three championships to, to show for it. That's very un-Minnesota-like, isn't it? <laughs> we get three teams in the Frozen Four for college hockey and zero, then we'll return with the trophy. Whatever team it was, they won. Yep, if it was North Dakota, if it was Boston College, if it was University of Massachusetts, doesn't matter, that's the one that won. At the end of the day. So that will conclude segment 1.5. About 20 minutes. But I had to talk about the postseason a little bit. It wasn't this big strong analytics. It was more of an emotional conversation. But uh, still. It was cool. It was cool to watch this postseason. It was very entertaining. Kind of anticlimactic though. At the end of the day. Montreal just. They just couldn't match up with Tampa Bay. And really nobody could. Except the New York Islanders. Um, But again. Tampa proved. They can open things up and beat you. They can shut you down. Whatever it is, they can do it. Um, and that's where Tampa Bay is the best team in the league, regardless if they have the best record going into the postseason. It's not like they were this huge underdog, but they were, what, the third seed in their division. They finished third. Third place in their division, which what which is exactly what the Wild did. Hmm. Yeah, I think their division was a little tougher. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, feels like light years away, seeing players hold the trophy. There's Hedman in the background. Again, it's just replays, though. I have the NHL Network on moving the puck, uh, moving the cup around, and it is what it is. Yep, he gave it to Savard there, David Savard, the uh, third, excellent third-pairing defenseman for the Tampa Bay Lightning this year, as they had some good players acquired last year to help them out on the third-pairing as well. With that said, we'll take a quick break and look at the future, and hopefully the Wild getting a Stanley Cup someday. I sure damn hope so. Here on Brave the Wild segment number two, time to look at some prospects and all that. Gonna also look at the potential of free agents or trades, this and that. We'll see, something's gonna happen, a few things are gonna happen. You got to think it's not gonna just be status quo going, and obviously, people are gonna be gone, this and that. But first, we're gonna hear from the Vigit application Vigit on Android and Apple devices, of course. V I G I T is two separate words. What are they? Uh, so, what is it all about? It's uh, it could be social media for sports bettors. You can post about your picks and see what others are saying about games. Viget betting leagues, a month-long betting competition to see who the best sports better is over the course of a month. Free to play sports book, bet free coins, win real prizes, and betting stats. There is great information available on a Viget like line, where. The like-line movement where the public is betting. So basically, at the end of the day, it's like a free sports betting application in terms of you're not betting real money. It's like fantasy betting in a lot of ways. And you can kind of compete against other people. And hey, you know, you could improve your betting skills this way. Maybe you can improve your confidence at it. I'm, you know, that's just how it is at the end of the day. Uh, so you're not betting real money. We are not, this is, I don't want to rep, uh, misrepresent the Vigit application as real money wagering. It is not, it is play money. But again, it's, it's fun. It's entertaining. And this way, you don't lose money. <laughs> That's the positive way to look at it. Uh, you're competing against other people. And i got to create some groups here and there to get people competing uh, during the course of the seasons. NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. Even if you're a Twins fan, maybe you could just pick them to lose every game and you'll probably make a fortune. So, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, you probably wouldn't make that much because they'd be the underdog anyway, the way they've played this year most of the time. Or bet on them to win and get lucky once in a while. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe they'll actually beat the Yankees. No. With that said, though, do download the Vigit application. When they ask for a a referral, type in Paladino Live. It is all one word. Paladino Live. I will put that in the show description. Thank you in advance for those of you that may have done that and will be doing in the future. Thank you always. So... First, there's a disclaimer I have to give to you right away. I am not an NHL draft expert. I'm not like a prospect genius, this and that. I love to keep up with the prospects a lot, especially guys that have already been drafted by the Minnesota Wild one way or another, or maybe signed as a free agent out of college or out of Europe or whatever the heck, you know, out of high school. Who knows? I keep up with those guys a bit better. It's uh, it's a pretty big pool of players out there, obviously. And it's worldwide. It's stuff to keep up with. So I'm just being honest with you. I look at guys that I uh, could be around where the Wild are drafting and positions of needs and interest, this and that. Just kind of hoping for the best there. But I did look at a, a few players, including another one. <laughs> i would tried to have to redo this uh, segment. <laughs> Matt Coronado a bit more. I wanted to get back to him a bit more, and he looks good. Right now on my NHL drafts, so I'll use this as a cheap sheet, a cheat sheet. MyNHLDraft.com. That way you can have all the players in front of you. And, you know, it's just ideas of where guys are going. Owen Power has been the power of the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pun intended, I guess. Buffalo Sabres, Owen Power, left-handed defenseman out of Michigan, University of Michigan, heading to Buffalo most likely. I'm not sure if he's happy about that, but maybe. The Buffalo Sabres used to be a pretty cool franchise in the 80s and 90s. And so... I don't know. They have to get better at some point. we welcome the Seattle Kraken to the National Hockey League with Matthew Bernier, if that seems to be a trend as well. He's a center coming out of the University of Michigan. Well, Michigan, <laughs> yeah, they should have done better in the tournament, but they didn't. That's just how that goes. Oh, bummer, right? But, again, oftentimes it's guys that are, like, 19. That's why. They didn't even get a chance uh, to really do anything in college. They just I said, screw it, I'm going pro. Kind of like, uh, yeah, well, how that goes. Um that Either that or they're just, they just they get drafted right away and they have to make a decision if they're going to go pro or not. More than likely, these guys will go pretty quick, especially Owen Power. Uh, Matthew Bernagas could be the uh, early-on franchise player, or franchise hope, anyway, for the Seattle Kraken. The logo, it's a cool idea. The name is really cool. The colors don't do much for me because they look too much like the Seattle Mariners. That's my biggest complaint about the Seattle Kraken at the end of the day. So uh, that's just my vibe there. Uh, Luke Hughes. Sounds like a former Twins player, and you get them all mixed up with these other Hughes. There's been two other Hughes, Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes. It's just like, okay, it's complicated, it's goofy, and they're always high in the draft, like top 10 guys. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's funny how that hurt out. There's been a lot of Hughes coming in the National Hockey League. He'd go third to the Anaheim Ducks all the way down to 21, and I'm seeing some mock drafts where the Wild are picking 22nd. So some people are assuming that the Wild will make a trade with Boston or somebody like that. There's a guy that Boston would now be taking, as this mock draft has changed since I recorded a couple of days ago. Um, there's a guy that I really like, and I'll get back to him momentarily. Let's talk about Matt Coronado first. Apparently, he's on his way to Harvard University. Dominated in the USHL. He led it in goals uh, last year, 48 goals. He was fantastic, 37 assists, 85 total points in only 51 games for the Chicago Steel. That's actually a familiar name. U.S. Hockey League, U.S. Hockey, like obviously, young guy, very, very young guy. The year before, 40 points at 45 games, but obviously just getting started. He was he was a uh, 17 years of age at the time, very young guy. Played all the way back to 2014 for the Long Island Stars. Damn, <laughs> that's pretty young. He's under 14. They have stats going all the way back to when he's 13 years old. The young man out of Huntington, New York. So, so it really is going to be like Matt Coronado. I'm just kidding. You get the idea. Hey, Matt Coronado, get over here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, looks good. Looks really good. Really like his release on his shot. He can burst a bit with his skating. He's a decent skater, I would say. Uh, definitely offensive-minded, 100%. He can play both right and left wing, apparently, which is interesting, I guess. Sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not, but versatility is a good thing. Looks to me like a right winger, though, I would say. Uh, most of his shots, most of his goals were coming from the right side and right uh, right shot release and all that. Um, so um, and that's a an, uh, that's a position of need if you're a Minnesota Wild fan. Matt Coronado, number 27, looks pretty damn impressive. Again, on the wristers he's released on his shot. Definitely an offensive player who is a natural goal scorer. No question about it. That's what he's going to do. Is going to score goals for the Minnesota Wild or whoever he goes to. Uh, very nice, very nice, very solid. And again, I, I I like his skating ability, and he's he's a little tricky too, where he can get around players. Of course, it's different. Different league, obviously, USHL. <laughs> I'm not sure that uh, he'd be able to do some of the little tricks, you know, where just kind of fool players quite as well at the higher levels, but we'll see. Maybe uh, he'll just continue to develop and continue to grow. But appears to have a pretty good hockey IQ early on in his career. See if that continues to translate to the next level, and I freaking hope so. <sighs> Guy that was floating around before seems to have vanished. Looks like he's out of the first round now. What the heck? Man, things are really changing in a big way. So we'll have to pass on that. I guess Coronado is going to replace him. <laughs> they had the Wild taking him 25th. Now he's out of the first round. But I was a big fan of the guy. Uh, kind of reminded me of Jason Zucker a bit. Uh, that was, of course, uh, Tuamala. He's more of a, yeah, he's also a right winger. Kind of like Jason Zucker a bit. Kind of compared to him a bit. Obviously, fast skater. And remember, Jason Zucker was a second round pick. Maybe Tuamala will be there for the Wild in the second round one way or another, or in the first round, had that blazing speed, and again, quick release, this and that, but really, really a a fast skater, and really nice release on his shot, good stick handling, did have a Jason Zucker vibe to him, I actually saw that, in a lot of ways, so maybe we can replace Jason Zucker ironically, with the draft pick that uh, the Wild acquired, for trading Jason Zucker, and by the way, you add Kalen Addison to the mix, who could help replace Dumba, and hopefully in a good way, not just be a, a downgrade, but I guess he's good enough to be in the NHL, that would be disappointing if that's how things turn out in that case. A uh, guy that I'm absolutely in love with, and I would take it 21 if he's there. I'd even consider trading up to 19 or 20 if it's not giving up too much. Francesco Uh For me, this is my guy right now in this area of the draft. Like last year, I identified Marco Rossi. Again, I'm no draft genius. Uh, maybe I got lucky, but when I saw Marco Rossi do what he does, my jaw dropped. I was like, whoa, whoa. Uh, this this guy's got to go top three or four in the draft, right? There's just no way he's going to slip to the wild. And and he wasn't slipping to the wild at that time. It was like right after that, mock drafts had Marco Rossi going from nine, nine nine-ish to like three, four, you know, like Ottawa, Detroit type of situation. Uh, Anaheim Ducks, Anaheim Schmucks, whatever you want to call them. Uh, They had him going really, really high. I think, was it Ottawa had two picks, like third and fifth, if I remember correctly. It was like Ottawa and Detroit, and it's just Marco Rossi. I just saw him in a Detroit Red Wings jersey, like perfect fit. This and that, obviously, could really you know. And it's a great organization historically. And now he has Steve Eiserman to work under. Whoa, beautiful. Because you know he's kind of got that similarity—a you know, smaller guy, incredible skill, stick handling, scoring, a little bit of everything. Good at everything, offense, defense, like Eiserman was, obviously. And again, Eiserman became a better defender as his career progressed. His points dropped a little bit, but that's how it is. Um, yeah, so let's get where I need to be. Pardon me, uh, Francisco Pinelli, a center. He's a center. He's not a winger. I really like Francisco Pinelli. Yes, Pinelli out of Slova- uh, Slovakia. This guy is uh, really something. Mm-mm-mm. Slovenia. Pardon me. Uh, he is really, really something. Um, my goodness, his skating ability—it's very deceptive. Where he looks like he's just kind of lulling you to sleep and then he'll just turn on the jets. And there's just something to this guy that I really like. I I think there's more to him than some of these other guys. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's going to be some gems here. There's going to be some gems here. There's obviously going to be some disappointments. But that's how it is. Who knows who's going to be good, who isn't going to be good at the end of the day. Guys translate differently for whatever reason. Or maybe they get hurt or something horrible like that. And you pray to God they don't. But... Francisco Panelli kind of reminds me of Alex Tuck as a center. You know, Alex Tuck isn't a top-line superstar, but he's really damn good. And the Wild really would love to have Alex Tuck back right now. Ten out of ten times, we'd love to have Alex Tuck back. This guy reminds me of Alex Tuck, but as a center. And I believe he could provide more, being the fact he would be a center versus uh, just a just a right-winger. Uh, really like what he brings again. He, he's got that burst like Alex Tuck. Uh, obviously a bigger guy. Uh incredible hands incredible hands great release on his shot and pretty good pretty damn good stick handler as well just love what he brings uh love francisco Pinelli, and if he's there at 21 uh, that's my guy most likely most likely obviously things can change but that's my guy uh, his stats don't necessarily jump out at you but they're pretty good i played for canada and and the, uh, and the world junior classic played for canada in the world junior classic <laughs> 18 years of age um, eleven points in only seven games, but yeah, very productive in that time. He was actually played in Slovenia. Yeah, he's from Canada, so my apologies. Um, he played in Slovenia. That's what I thought because yeah, he he doesn't even yeah it doesn't the name doesn't add up. That's a he's from Canada. He's got an Italian kind of a name, Italian or French kind of name there. So, yeah doesn't add up so yes he did play in in canada or he is originally from canada my apologies at the end of the day it's one of those old deals <laughs> where he, like you knew that and then you, you said slovenia anyway but obviously definitely has a skill set that i absolutely love and i would take him on the wild a, more of a modern type of a center too where again it's not like mikhail grandland just looking to pass 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 uh necessarily more, more just of a passer, and he'll score here and there. He's, he's more of that offensive style, kind of like, uh, you know, the Bergeron, looking for the goals, this and that. And obviously Bergeron's more, more of a, like, he's an absolutely legit 200-foot defenseman. And it's funny how they have uh, Boston taking him 20th. Oh, he'd probably be a great fit for the Boston Bruins. I'm sure they'd love to have him, and he could learn under uh, Patrice Bergeron. I'm sure they'd love to have that, but I'd love to have him on Minnesota. I wouldn't be complaining about Matt Coronado, though. I think there's really, uh, he's a natural goal scorer. Like, it's, it's there. He's going to be a damn good scorer, I think, at every level he plays it at the end of the day. Atu Ratti is a guy who's floated around as well. Six foot two, finish center, finish center. He does remind me of Granlin, but with a more of a goal scoring mentality. It's like if Granlin was bigger and was more of uh, had more of a goal scorer mind, plays a Granlin type of game, which is good. Great stick handling. He he can definitely pass, but um, there's more of a goal score inside of uh, Aturati. He's a guy, again, floating around. They haven't gone 22nd to Detroit right now, so that's right around 21, 25, whatever the heck it would be for the Minnesota Wild. Obviously super young, and in those finished leagues, the stats don't really jump out at you. Small sample size, but from what I saw, yep, does remind me of a better version of Mikhail Grandlin. And Mikhail Grandlin went 10th overall in the draft. Tenth. So don't forget that amazing statistic there. <laughs> Grantland's a decent player, but obviously I, I do think uh, other other players would have been a better pick at the end of the day. Mackie, Mackie not Phil Mackey, but Mackey Samoskevich. Yep, yeah, welcome there. He also played for the Chicago Steel. He also played for the Chicago Steel. He's going to the University of Michigan. So this would be, uh, that would be funny. So yeah, this one has the wild taking both of these guys from the Chicago Steel. The odds of that are slim, but I guess you never know. Definitely a damn good passer. Doesn't have the goal-scoring knack that Matt Coronado does. So, obviously, Coronado's the, the star of these two guys. He's the star of the whole uh, USHL. He's the real caprician for the USHL. No question about it is Matt Coronado. So, you pick like Matt and Matt from the Chicago Steel. I think it's kind of crazy. I'm guessing this will not happen. But uh, definitely a solid passer. He's a he's a center with more of a playmaking type of a center. Which hey, you know, if if we can, if we do get him and he's a nice fit, and who knows, maybe these guys would play on the same line someday with the Minnesota Wild. That'd be kind of cool. And sometimes it's a good idea, for guys just they just literally grow up together, go you know, from the Chicago Steel to you know, well, they would they wouldn't play in the same college, but in the AHL and the NHL in the future someday. We'll see what happens with that. It's kind of maybe my mind is all over the place with that one. Um, I kind of liked what I saw there. Nikita, here we go, Nikita Chabrikov. That's another guy out of Russia. 5'10", just like Kirill Kaprizov. Right wing instead of left wing. St. Petersburg, MHL. That is the MHL, and he's going to play in the KHL this year. Very productive. He's a better passer than a goal scorer, but he does have a goal scoring knack. Gets close to the net. Kind of a Parisi-style game with great passing skills, all that right, Kirill Kaprizov. So it's kind of like a little bit of Parisi, a little bit of Kaprizov. He plays close to the net, kind of a juicy guy, obviously, or greasy goal type of guy. Again, uh, let's not talk about Maxim Shashinsky. He just kind of got lucky here and there. Uh, good, good productive player in Russia, but in the NHL, he didn't uh, translate. He just uh, got a hot start, and then things just quickly vanished off the face of the earth. Kind of like water in a frying pan, unfortunately, for the poor kid. Uh Obviously, he's not a kid. He's older than me now. But you get the idea. <laughs> uh, Nikita Shabrikov. I think there's definitely something there. And it'd be kind of cool. Definitely an age difference from Kirill Kaprizov. And we don't know how long Kaprizov's going to be signed with the Wild. We just pray to God. Maybe having this guy in the system can help a little bit. Maybe. And as he comes to Minnesota, he, he could play on the same line as Kaprizov with that great passing. Because i got to think sooner or later, uh, you know, is going to get older, slow down, this and that. That's just how life goes. He's in his 30s already in Zuccarello, but great chemistry so far with Kirill Kaprizov. He was a wonderful surprise. He was another guy, actually, who would have been on the list that I was almost blanking on before. I actually talked about that earlier on um, in the segment that was lost, which was devastating. (laughs) But I, I like Nikita Chibrikov. If he's there at 25, or maybe you trade up to get him, something like that. Trade up, like, in the end of the first round or early second round. I think there's something there, and maybe he might be... Somebody that could be a factor for Minnesota. And again, uh, be a factor in keeping uh, Kaprizov here. Maybe, uh, maybe. Doesn't always matter at the end of the day. But he could play on the other side of Kaprizov someday. And Kaprizov could guide him, nurture him. They work together and it's a fantastic uh, match. Along with uh, Sandra DeJer, whoever that is. but uh, If it's Marco Rossi or somebody who's not on the roster. Or some somebody who surprised everybody and is a nice star that we took later in the draft. Maybe it's a uh, Penelli. Maybe it's Pinelli as the center, which would be a lot of fun. I think. Boy, you would have some speed. You have some skill there. At the end of the day, Chibrikov uh, again. Yeah, he plays a strong game. He's he's strong, even though he's a smaller guy. He's strong. You know, not as strong as uh, Kaprizov yet, but strength can come. It, it takes time, obviously. Kaprizov's in his twenties. Uh, Kaprizov's in his twenties. Chibrikov is obviously not. So those are the guys I'm kind of looking at, this and that. Again, I'm no draft expert. I'm not here to brag and tell you how smart I am about the NHL draft. And you know what? <laughs> Derek Felska doesn't brag either, but he does a fantastic job, and I'll brag I'll brag for him because he does a great job. He'll be coming out with something uh, very soon, i got to think. Keep an eye out for Derek Felska. Crease and assist. At crease and assist, Derek Felska loves to keep up with the draft, loves to keep up with the prospects. He does an amazing job, and he really helps the show as well segment number three and such he's giving advice here and there he's a he's a great guy uh lives lives and teaches as a teacher in western wisconsin close to minnesota but is a born and raised minnesotan a gopher fan yes not a badger fan not if not a blue devils fan or did i just call him blue devils a bulldogs fan i keep doing that bulldogs fan not a huskies fan but he's he's nice to him he's friendly to him i don't hate those teams but i'm a gopher fan damn it I don't know. know, I'm a golfer fan. The other guy that was floating around, I I knew there was one more. Xavier Borgolf. He was actually going 21 a few days ago to Minnesota. Nothing about him really stands out, but his numbers are good. Uh, He played a little bit in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, so the league did play a little bit last year for a very short stretch. 29 games, 40 games, 4. Mr. Xavier Borgault and the Wild did not have any players in the Quebec Ranger Junior Hockey League last year, so couldn't really cover him, unfortunately, uh, at the end of the day. So, some games were played, which is kind of weird. Some teams played, some teams didn't. Just like in the AHL, I think a couple teams bowed out. It was weird last year. Weird. OHL didn't play at all. Uh, Xavier Borgold, you know, there's something there. Great stick handling. He's got a nice release 20 goals, uh, 20 assists, 40 points in 29 games. Doesn't get penalized a whole lot, you know. It's good that he's well over a point a game in the in the queue. Still got a nice future, this and that. So he's obviously another possibility. A six foot one seventy two uh, center, uh, solid. You know, solid player. I think he's he's definitely an option. Maybe he could maybe you could take him twenty fifth. He's not somebody I would go at twenty one, especially if uh, Pinelli's there. So I'm not too surprised that he dropped a little bit. In uh, the last few days. not too surprised. Pennelly, I'm not surprised he moved up either. He was going, what, 22nd. Now he's going 20th to Boston. So Mm -mm. it's going to be super interesting. He was actually going, yeah, he was going to, uh, I forget who it was. I think he was going to Detroit. He might have actually, yeah, and then that Rata was going to uh, Edmonton 20th. So things have changed. Things have moved around a little bit in this draft. Right now, they have Nikita Shabrikov going 30th to the Montreal Canadiens. Maybe the future cup champs. We'll talk about that in segment 1.5. In fact, we already did, according to this one. So, uh, according to this show, anyway. With that said, um, segment 1.5, which is in between this one and the other one. But that's how that goes. Uh, Really uh, looking forward to the draft at the end of the day. I think it's going to be very exciting. Wild can add some definite uh, talent and give us some hope for the future moving forward. With that, we'll get to a little bit of free agency here. And according to Sportac and all that, that's what I'm using for this. I'll give them a... There's a couple of... Well, there's a lot of good goalies floating around, but they're obviously older and more expensive. Tuca Rask is probably going to stay in Boston at age 34. Pekka Rinne, I don't know, 38 years old. I don't know what's going to happen to Pekka Rinne. Frederick Anderson's 31. That's an interesting choice and of course Devin Dubrick I'm not sure what's going to happen there he's a free agent now anti-ranta I don't know why I'm looking at goalies Philip Grubauer is a free agent ooh but uh, we'll see I think we're set at goalie for now going into next year I got to think we're going to stand pat I think the guys did a good job uh, nothing super exciting free agent wise with the goal setting I think it was a better it was actually a better group last year depending on how you feel Andrew Hammond, I wouldn't mind bringing him back for the minors, but gosh, he's 30 or 33 already. Craig Henderson's 40. Yeah, he was uh, with Washington last year. Calvin Picard, Jean-Luc, Corey Schneider. Man, he's already 35. Seems like yesterday he was the young guy behind Martin Bourdieu, but unfortunately, he's been stuck forever. Henrik Lundqvist has already retired. Mm-mm-mm. Peter Mrazek, Mar- he's been decent everywhere he's gone. Uh, Jonathan Bernier is decent. Not great. Carter Hutton, 35 already? What happened? 35? Dang, David Rittich, yeah, 29. He's not that exciting. Linus Allmark's adequate. Cheap contract, actually. Uh, why am I looking at goalies? So apologize there. Let's look at the Cinder position. That's the position de jour. Ryan gets left too old, too expensive, and whatever. Uh, David Krecky. Krecky out of uh, Boston. Man. 35. I can't believe how old some of these guys are already. Derek Stepan, David it's No way. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a free agent. Would have been a nice dream if it was $6 million for $6 million, Dumba for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Maybe a couple of years ago, the Wild could have pulled that off when Dumba was scoring 50 points. But, uh, well, no. It's not going to happen. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to want a significant amount of money, and he's 28 already. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Now you got Nick Bukestad, Marcus Johansson are free agents leaving Minnesota. Mikhail Granlin, whatever. At, at that contract, though, gosh, 3.7. Yeah, let's leave it alone. <sighs> Matthias Janmark, who got the hat trick against the Wild in game number seven. Not expensive. Eh, he's not the biggest, you know, he's not the biggest star, that's for sure. Uh the Wild are going to have to pull off some type of trade here. I mean, because, I, I don't know. I don't see the Wild signing anybody significant. Eric Stahl's a free agent. He'll be leaving Montreal. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll keep him. What am I saying? Nick Benino, I got to think it's coming back to Minnesota, but not at 4.1 million. No, no, sir. Uh, no, sir. Zach Parisi still signed for four more frickin' years, just like he said in his uh, press conference, along with Mr. Brian Sewer It's funny, though, how... Uh, <laughs> Jared Spurgeon's actually the highest-paid player on the Minnesota Wild at the moment. It's going to be Kirill Kaprizov, barring some type of craziness. Uh, Matt Dumba, two years remaining at $6 million a year. Jonas Burdine, also $6 million a year, going on and on for years yet at the end of 2028. Nice to have him on board. And, of course, uh, Jared Spurgeon at the end of 2027. 7.575 uh, 7, 7. for Jared Spurgeon throughout the uh, course of his contract at the end of the day. Matt Dumba is definitely a trade candidate because there's just too much money put in the defense in right now. Ian Cole and Brad Hunt are both free agents. I wouldn't mind bringing both back. Uh, Brad Hunt would basically be a scratch though the whole year, unless need be. Uh, Unless you can find somebody who's a better fit for that spot. Unfortunately, Carson Soucy is a legitimate possibility of going to the Seattle Kraken. That's a strong possibility. Unfortunately, Nico Sturm might even get picked up by them. Who knows? Although I, I doubt it at the end of the day. I think we'll be okay there. Victor Rask, obviously, he's going to be exposed. There's even talk about possibly trying to trying to get Seattle to get him somehow because uh, that was... Uh, Ron Francis is the general manager of the Seattle Kraken, of course, who signed Victor Rask to his contract in Carolina not too long ago. The former Hartford Whalers, of course. Yes, former Hartford Whalers, Carolina Hurricanes. One year left for Victor Rask. Do you want to just... Absorb it and what, blah da, or whatever, or hope to God you can trade him. Matt Zuccarello, three years remaining, six million per. Nico Sturm becomes a free agent after next season. Unrestricted free agent for Nico Sturm. Unrestricted free agent for Nico Sturm after next year. So hopefully, hopefully, we can negotiate something. I, I wouldn't mind the Wilds extending him in the offseason, like a three year ditty, one way or another. Uh, pending free agents, I think Nick Bukstad does not come back but maybe at a dirt cheap deal, like under $2 million for a year or two. Marcus Johansson, extremely unlikely to come back. Nick Bedino, he's the only guy who could win face-offs. He wasn't spectacular, but he actually could win face-offs. And he's actually not bad. He can still score goals. Yeah, his leadership is priceless. 33 years of age. Bring him back on like a one or two year Matt Cullen type of contract. Something like, you know, I mean, I remember the Wild saying Matt Cullen for like $1 million a year but he was like 40 at the time, so I mean, Benino's not 40, but basically that would be Benino's role. He's, he's like a Matt Collin, I think, going forward. He was born in Hartford, Connecticut, so it <laughs> doesn't get much better than that. I mean, da 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 Yeah, I gotta get that sound bite back now. I'm gonna get it one of these days, because I have literally zero sound bites at this moment on this brand new laptop. Uh, Nick Benino, Hartford, Connecticut. Though so he probably barely got to see the Whalers. Um, I want to bring him back. I do. If we can get him under two million a year for one or two years, I want to bring him back. Ian Cole, he made what four million last year. He made a lot. Same kind of thing. Oh man, if you can get him to two point three, two point one, something like that for like a one-year ditty, Ian Cole, invaluable, invaluable piece. I'd love to have him back with the Minnesota Wild, and his versatility too. He can play right or left defense, even though left is his natural spa spot. spot. And the possibility of losing Carson Sousi to the Seattle Kraken, you really want uh, Ian Cole back from Minnesota. Because if susie has gone, Ian Cole is a priority at that point. Despite the fact he's a little older, 32 years of age. Benino 33. They're older guys. You've got to bring him back, though, I, I think. Just uh, unless they want a huge contract, which they're not probably in a position to do that. I'm guessing no. It's a miracle we got Ryan Hartman at 1.7. That's pretty good. Um, that's a great, that's a cheap deal. If you can somehow get those guys at a contract like that, I would feel pretty nice, actually. Uh, Marcus Fellino, 3.1. He got a small raise, and he he, he played better. He played freaking better. So you can't complain too much about Marcus Fellino going from 2.7 to 3.1. Um, he's he's, he's freaking good. So I can't complain a whole lot about that. Jordan Greenway becomes a restricted free agent for next season. There might be a conversation there. Maybe we're in uh, uh, an extension, but we'll probably wait till next year, of course, for that. We're going to be pretty busy with uh, Fiala, Jewel Eriksonek, and Kirill Kaprizov. Again, Kirill Kaprizov, there's still a standoff there about the term more than anything. Um, understandably, Bill Guerin wants to sign him for as long as possible so we can have him here and not have to worry about losing him. Kirill Kaprizov wants to maximize his uh, financial wherewithal in the National Hockey League. He's 24 already. He's signed him for... A five-year deal. He's 29. After that, that's not too bad. But it's 29. Uh, an eight-year deal, which is what they want. The, what the Wild want to do is uh, the maximum amount. That would make him 32, and probably quite possibly, you know, he might be underpaid a bit, just like uh, yeah, uh, Nathan McKinnon in Colorado. He's making six million a year. He's making as much as Matt Zuccarello and Matt Dumba and Jonas Burdine. Loop, loop, loop. That's kind of crazy when you think about that. That is freaking crazy. <laughs> Nathan McKinnon, really, you know, when you got guys making 10, 11, 12, 13 a year, you know, superstar players. It's good for Colorado. Good cap thing, but I mean, I can't even imagine the frustration. That's like Scottie Pippen a bit with the Bulls years before, but maybe not that bad. Scottie Pippen is making $2 million a year for the Bulls when Michael Jordan made like, you know, $33 million, $35 million the last three years there of that uh, three-peat for the Bulls. Oops oops hey but the the owner warned him so whatever (laughs) I do want Cole back Hunt maybe I just called him something I didn't mean to I apologize (laughs) Hunt (laughs) needs to you know he may have to play in the AHL or just be a press box guy or taxi squad whatever the heck the situation is going into next year Um, Bukestad no Johansson no Benino, yes Cole yes of course, Juul Eriksson. Please, Lord, uh, five-year Diddy. If you can get him under five million a year, uh, like four point eight, wow, that'd be awesome. Five-year he four point eight to be twenty-nine after that. So he's still got plenty of career left. Could resign him, or someone else takes him. Whatever the heck happens there with Julia next career. Kirill Kaprizov, he wants three, or uh, I, I think he wants only three. So he could be twenty-seven years of age, and uh, look to maximize the contract. The fear is that he could pull an a- that he could pull a uh, Artemi Panarin type of deal where he'll wind up with the frickin' Rangers or the frickin' Kings or something like that. Watch him go to Los Angeles. Oh, God. Oh, God. And he'd be making $11, $12 million a year, and, you know, and he's the king of Los Angeles. Uh, oh, God, because LeBron James would be retired by then or close to it. Oh, please, Lord, don't let it happen. Please, or maybe the other guy. <laughs> Byfield will be the king of L.A. if he is not traded for uh, Jack Eichel. I'm not at all in with the Jack Eichel deal. It'd be great to have him. He could be fantastic, but he he's, he has a neck injury that sounds familiar around here. You know, with uh, Daniil Hunter. Of course, Daniil Hunter looks good so far. We'll see with the, with the Vikings. Check out Purple Mafia when you get the time for that. If you get the time for that. Um, obviously, possible chemistry issues. He's been inconsistent, but when he's good, he's freaking Great. Ten million a year, though. Ten million a year. Get get your get your wallet out. Uh, you know, and that's a, that's a lot of cap space that will be absorbed. Ten million a year. It's gonna be tough. You know, you're gonna have to say goodbye to some really nice players. Like Kevin Fiala, there's no way he comes back if Jack Eichel's on Minnesota. No chance. Uh, Dumba, it's okay. You know, I gotta think and hope that uh, Kalen Addison can be productive enough to. Hopefully fill that role and get better at it during the course of time. I'm praying to God that Kalen Addison can do that. He did not look good in the postseason. But uh, some guys just didn't. Obviously, Vegas is filled with veterans, high IQ players that made us look stupid at times. Especially a rookie like Kalen Addison. That's just how that goes, unfortunately. It's just a harsh reality, you know, at the end of the day. It it sucks, but what what are you going to do about it? Uh, Stuck with Studer, there's no question. I don't think he ever leaves Minnesota, unfortunately, if, if we like it or not. Uh, if Bill Guerin can get Parisi and Studer to waive their new move clause for Seattle, knowing that Seattle's very unlikely to take them, it'd be great, but I guess you never know. Uh, Parisi does want to get bought out, but of course, again, you're looking at, uh, eight year cap hit, uh, and the cap hit would be helped this year, but it would increase next year. It'd be worse next year. It would help for this year. And then it would be yeah, worse next year and then similar the next two years. After that, and then you get a small cap hit, like under a million, but for four more effing years, after that, because you know how it, it doubles. That's how the uh, buyout uh, calculator works. Uh, Victor Rask, would be he'd be stuck for two years instead of one at like like uh, you know it'd be like one point seven million, so it'd be uh, cheaper than the four million this year, uh, but it'd be yeah like overall cheaper, one point seven million for two years for Victor Rask if we go that direction buying him out, but. The way they talk about him, they're not buying him out. <laughs> they're, they're just not <laughs> at the end of the day. Marco Rossi sounds like he's fully healthy, ready to rock and roll, and he's skating again, and I'm very, very happy about that. Very happy, to say the least. Hovanov, Ivan Ladnia, Damian Giroux, and Connor DeWeer, I think both have a chance to be NHL players very soon because they both were invaluable for Iowa last season. Nick Swainy's on Iowa now. Twenty-three years of age, he's got a little bit of that natural goal-scoring ability, and he was so clutch for uh, Duluth, winning those two uh, two national championships and getting to the third national championship game. Matthew Boldy is a borderline shoe-in to get on Minnesota next year. Uh, they call him a center, but he's a left winger. I guess he can play center, but he's pretty much been a winger for quite a while now. Nanon Beckman, natural goal-scoring left winger who who's a decent skater, but is a uh, very good scorer. Kind of, like, some of the prospects they looked at, but he was a third round pick, so he kind of slipped through the cracks a little bit at the end of the day. Kalen Addison, we're all excited about that. Ryan O'Rourke, who strengthens that left shot defenseman spot. Actually, Bill Garen did a damn good job of that. Bill Garen and Kuru got two left defensemen in the in the grapevine to kind of help, as that position's drying up a bit, uh, and that made a big help at the end of the day. Uh, Ryan O'Rourke and Damon Hunt both look like pretty good draft picks. And again, Kalen Addison, right shot at the end of the day. We'll see how he develops. Hopefully he makes the wild next year. And if Matt Dumb is gone, you got to hope he's going to make it unless uh, Brennan Reddell somehow, someway comes on board. It'd be freaking cool if Brennan Mendel makes the NHL and ends up being real good for Minnesota. Possible replacements for Mr. Ian Cole and or Carson Searcy defensively. Hmm. No, Alec Martinez, yes! No, that'd be like a miracle. But no, he's going to probably stay in Vegas. He was very valuable for them. It wouldn't be a miracle, but it'd be nice. At the end of the day, Mike Riley, no. Uh, he he should stay in Boston. He was pretty good there. A nice fit. Ty- Tyson Berry, I don't think we'd be able to get him. He's obviously very good. Most of these guys expensive. Alex Galikoski, I can. he's getting old and all that. Ah, oh, boy. I don't know honest to god you know adam larson that figures <laughs> edmonton adam larson's a free agent at 28 remember that trade oh that did not feel good and of course greg pattern of the sharks he was traded from colorado to the sharks and well you know
0: <laughs>
1: not a whole lot to brag about there Jordy ben two million a year i don't know i think build from within at this point but obviously you uh, there's a, there's, it would probably be more of a trade. None of these guys really stand out to me. I kind of like Jack Johnson, though. Actually, I, I I like Jack Johnson. New York Rangers, only 1.1 million right now for the New York Rangers. Jack Johnson's the name I would possibly consider, but yeah, another veteran guy played uh, for yeah played years ago. Looks like yeah he's on a dead cap with Pittsburgh. They actually bought him out. That's kind of funny. So maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what to say at the end of the day. I mean, we're going to lose somebody, but i, I just say bring in Cole back, and maybe even Brad Hines and, and uh, hope for guys to continue to develop in the system. I think we're okay at defensemen right now. You don't want to plunk down a bunch of cash, especially the whole point of trading Dumbo way, is to free up some of that. So that's kind of the thought process there at the end of the day. Uh, with that said, We'll take a quick break and come back with Fan Interaction. And we are back here on Brave the Wild, segment number three of State of the Wild 2021 fan interaction segment. This will probably be a bit long, which is okay, because there's a lot of conversation going on. You got Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final flashing in the background. Tampa Bay up 3 games to 0. Montreal up one nothing late in the first period, as I believe it's just gone into intermission. So, of course, again, piecing things together as we go. Segment 1.5. We talked about the Cup Champion and all that. So, that's just how things go there. Ah, this is in the future. This is in the past. da da, 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 da. That's just how things go. The Minnesota Wild have inked uh, Jewelers an eight-year contract at an APV of 5.25 at the end of the day. 5250000 basically, for eight years. Eight. Count them. Eight years. That's a lot. So, uh, yeah, eight freaking years. All right. So, <laughs> It's good, I guess, but it's expensive. No question about it. It's expensive and it's long. Um, The no-move contract uh, clause, pardon me, kicks in in year number four. He's also going to have a no-move clause a bit. So, yeah, uh, it's limited. It's ten teams, but yeah, still, that can complicate things. Okay, well, I mean, there was a lot of debate going on between Mr. Derek Felska and some others out there. Lots of fanboys out there be it podcasters, bloggers, or just fans in general. Lots of fanboys out there that think the team can do no wrong or that Jewel Erickson and can go no, uh can do no wrong. At the end of the day, he hasn't had that much success yet. Uh, he had one good year. Uh, statistically, he would have had about 25 goals, something close to around 45 points or so at the end of the day. Uh, that's good, and he's only 24 years of age, so you're getting him in his good years and all that. He's going up to age 32 if you do the math, of course with his contract, so this is his big buck contract, this is his max contract, this is his, you know, eight years and everything, I'm happy for him, in a big way, um, it's kind of high, I mean, I didn't think we'd go over five, but I I, I I, guess so, because he's such a good defensive player and everything, he is the next Cuevu, now, I mean, if we like it or not, he is the next Cuevo. Uh when you look at his contract, that's about the same, I mean, it's a, it's a little less, yeah, it's slightly less, but just generally speaking, his Cuevu was up to about six, um, but he's basically the Koivu now. Uh, he can't be a top-line center. That's not his role. Uh, a lot of people would say he's actually a third-line center. That's a little expensive for a third-line center. Uh, he can certainly play second if he can get to the 25-goal range. Sure he can, but will he? Will he? Is it just a contract year, that type of thing? Uh, in the AHL, he was a point-to-game player, which I've discussed many times. But AHL's is AHL. I mean, <laughs> look at... Uh, Look at Gerald Mayo. He's he looks like, uh, gosh, uh, who do you compare him to? Freaking, uh, you know, or uh, Yager or something. Maybe not quite that high end, but way up there at the AHL level. Uh, Christian Matt, Matt, guys like that. Christian Matt had what did he average? Like a hundred points a season back in the day in the AHL and the IHL and stuff like that. The Hershey Bears. Uh, man, that's going back to about twenty years back when the Minnesota Wild were getting started. Um, I mean, it, you know. It is what it is. Obviously, Jewel Erickson. there's more to him than Christian Matt and Gerald Mayhew. I understand that first round pick and everything, and of course again, he's a 200 foot player. He's certainly not a top line center. I, I think the the term could be a little less. I think the uh, the average amount I think the average amount could be down a little bit, but I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, the amount is probably about right. Uh, considering he could be a 25-goal guy. It's there, the possibilities there. I think he's competitive enough that he will continue to get better, or at very least be a 25-goals, 25 25-assist 25 type of guy. Uh, he's certainly not a spectacular passer. There's definitely ability there, though, uh, both ways. I think he can be kind of even with the goals and assists. He's not going to have way more than one or the other, whereas this year he did have more goals for some reason. But I think there's more assists to be had, given the... Uh, particular situations that Jewel Erickson uh, was in. He was the best player in the postseason. He was the best skater for the Minnesota Wild during the uh, uh, Vegas series, and otherwise you'd say Cam Talbot was the MVP during that series. So I'm not majorly against it, this and that. Just the term's a little high. It's, It's a lot. And Derek Felska got a lot of flack for saying something that I just said, basically, that it's a little bit much. A little bit. It's a little bit of a commitment for a guy that hadn't really done anything up until this year not a whole lot like yeah you had like a you know seasons with like you know 18 points and such and like 65 70 games you know I mean it, it, it's not anything like you're gonna go absolutely nuts over so it, 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 it's a lot <laughs> just to be fair it's a lot so I mean you can't get too mad at somebody for saying you know maybe raising their hand saying I I don't know so that kind of gets things going when it comes to, uh, <laughs> it comes to the, the, the fan interaction segment here, pardon me, I'm like stumbling all over myself just to be a goofball. Um, I kind of want to bring up his numbers overall. jewelry and obviously drafted 20th overall in the 2015 draft. Yes, yeah, seems like everybody was drafted in the 2015 draft. <laughs> it does. He had a better year the year before, 2019, 2020. 29 points in 62 games, only eight goals. He had a way more assists that year, so it's kind of weird. Most of his career, he's had more assists. Like, the big one that stands out was 17, 18, 75 games, only 16 points. It's like, damn, come on, man. And, you know, 14 and uh, 58 games in 18, 19. He was in the AHL for a bit, but point a game his entire tenure in the American Hockey League. That's the good part. Even if he played one game, he'd score a goal or something. So, he's really, really damn good in the AHL. Could he be a 50-plus guy in the NHL? I think so, but we're kind of banking on he he better better. Uh, at that salary, I think he's got to get 50 points. And of course, yes, he, he's fourth in the Selkie rating and all that. Uh, the 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 Selkie award, if he finished fourth. Fourth is fourth, though. It's not second. It's not first. It's fourth. So don't forget that. Uh, obviously, again, I'm not trying to poo-poo him. I'm not trying to put him down. But it's a it's a lot of terms. So just to say that's a lot. It doesn't make you a non-Wild fan. It doesn't make you a jackass. It doesn't make you ignorant. And those of you out there saying that, maybe you're the ignorant one. I think you need to settle down a little bit. Some of you youngsters out there, settle down, grasshopper, all right? Just settle down a little bit. I'm not trying to be a jerk, okay? Just don't be a jerk either, if you could. That'd be nice. Um, it's not going to kill anybody to have a differing opinion once in a while. Not just saying, oh, wild suck, they're stupid, they did the same dumb bull crap again. No, this isn't trading for, like, what, what was his name, Poe or whatever, for a third-round pick, Some third, some... Forward who couldn't really do anything for a third round pick, you know, like the Chuck Fletchers and the Dumpster Dugs is the world, as again, Dark Felska would say of crease and assist. Crease and assist, he was saying, Got a Minnesota Wild or NHL question burning on your mind? Ask Brave the Wild, just tag your question, hashtag BTWMN, and ask as many questions as you'd like. Please retweet, and they called the people yeah, up. And thank you guys that did. Brian Herrera. Brian Herrera, what a great guy, eh? What a great guy. He uh, shouted out to me. On the Mackie and Judge show, the Mackie and Judd, the Mackie and Judge show, you know, Score North and everything. I'm not sure if they're still on 1500 anymore, but it's like YouTube and podcasting. And I guess for some reason, that's become a really big thing in the world. Regular radio, you'd think would be easier to get listeners. I don't know, because I mean, I'm not going to whip up YouTube all the time unless it's like Viking fan line or wild fan line. Uh, otherwise, I do go the podcasting route very frequently via Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, of course, and some of those other applications. Whoa, I'm gonna, I am gonna—I keep forgetting I have a new touchscreen laptop. Touch screen. Yeah, they do exist. Isn't that weird? They exist. Um, but Brian Herrera shouted out to Brave the Wild and Joey Brave the Wild because he said they asked him, um, now that you're at this big platform because he was on, what, what do they call that, like the Write That Down segment, which is kind of fun. It's cool uh, on the Mac and Judd show. Would you like to thank anybody for getting you to this big platform and everything? You know, they kind of BS and joke around. Somebody might say my wife. Somebody might say, uh, you know, my dog. Somebody might say this and that, just to kind of have fun. And then he said, "I want to say Joey from Brave the Wild." And my, I was like, W-what? "What? What? Because I know the guy's name was Brian, but it was just Brian. It wasn't Brian Herrera. They just said Brian. I was like, "What the hell?" I mean, my ears just perked out. Like, whoa! Um, from Brave the Wild for uh, mentioning the uh, Judge Talk hockey show, and that led him to uh, Mackey and Judd and all that. Pretty freaking cool. So thank you, Brian, for that shout-out. It is uh, very, very greatly appreciated. You're you're a great guy. Uh, He says, two questions. Number one, what is the expectation for next year's Wild Team? Western Conference Finals is mine. I hope so. And you know what? I'd rather hear strong expectations like that versus just oh you know let's get to the second round you know you know one piece at a time one day at a time you know I like that you have higher expectations and I think we need that more often in this town rather than just it was a great season you know we had you know we uh, finished in second place and we uh, you know uh, you know it's just it is what it is it was a shitty bounce in game seven you know it's just bad luck it's just bad puck luck no win game seven and get to the second round sure get to the conference final that'd be great I think that's i i won't call it a realistic expectation but i think it's good to say go above and beyond because that would be going above and beyond a little bit and maybe even a little higher uh to get to the cup final this and that why not why not us why not now so that's cool Uh, i will say i'm gonna i'm gonna concur with you let's go to the western conference finals and hopefully do something even more special Put it this way, if Montreal can get to the, well, the conference final that ended up being the Campbell Conference final, uh, which is what I'll call it, and the Prince of Wales Conference I guess was the real Eastern Conference, even though Montreal should be in the East also, but the things were shaped differently because they just were, um, <laughs> they just were because they were, uh, what was it, Tampa and the New York Isles, that went all the way to Game 7, freaking awesome series, awesome series, poor the Poor Islanders, they, they might have been cup champs this year, OT in Game 7, scoreless. Mm. But um, if Montreal can get to a conference final beating Toronto and Winnipeg, two teams the Wild don't always play great against. We play good against Winnipeg sometimes, and then we stink against them. Toronto, we usually stink against. Though teams like Boston made them look like mincemeat in the playoffs in the past. And then Montreal made them look like mincemeat in the final three games of that series. Made them look like fools. Um, if they can do it, why not us? And congratulations, Eric Stahl, for at least getting to the cup final again. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to give a uh, a requiem or an ode to Blue Jackets goalie Mattis Kivlenics, if I'm saying it correctly, and I do apologize if it's wrong. He died of chest trauma at age 24. Wow, that is a huge shame. So uh, Mattis Kivlenix uh, a moment of silence for him. So that is a crying shame that really is. Question number two from Brian Herrera. He says, if you could live in a video in a video game for a day, what came? Wow, that's an interesting one. I wish I read that before, but I guess that's kind of the fun of radio is when it's on the fly. It feels more like a live show that way because now it's uh, if I could live in a video game for a day, what came? Well, it wouldn't be Jaws, that's for sure, <laughs> with uh, death rays and jellyfish and jaws, jaws or whatever the big shark coming after you. Um, not Mario, probably not Zelda. God, dang it! I probably sort of thought of something. Final Fantasy IV, I want to be Cecil, man. I want to be Cecil. Yeah, dangerous and everything, but he's the you know it'd be the coolest thing ever to become a paladin knight. Say you know work with others, save the world, you actually go to the moon because the, the last boss was somebody from the moon, believe it or not and Cecil ended up being half Lunarian um, Final Fantasy 4 known as Final Fantasy 2 in the US, but obviously most, most gamers know that it is Final Fantasy 4 um, so Cecil, Cecil that would be the character I'd want to be in that game, and I'd le- uh, because he gets a beautiful wife named Rosa and just all those amazing adventures they went on and then ultimately he becomes king of, uh, of, uh, Baron. He becomes king of Baron Castle, which is like the, you know, you could say it's the most powerful country in the world. It'd be like becoming president of the United States or becoming king maybe and being a good king, not an evil king, but a good one. Uh, it'd be cool. So I'll pick that one. Final Fantasy IV. Cecil, C- Cecil or Cecil, however you say it. I guess it's Cecil, like Cecil Fielder. Uh, that would be my choice, Brian. Derek Felska, that was in May. See, that's the one thing, you know, you... It used to do it in chronological order, and it just doesn't seem to want to anymore. Uh, Man, man, man. I think these... No, that's May. Why would that be? That's a whole month ago. Jay Bushy, welcome back to the show. He says, who are you thinking the Wild will lose in the expansion draft? I guess it's going to be Susie. It could be Dumba. It's probably going to be one of those two depending on how things go. And great minds think alike. I didn't even mention this. I've been wanting to mention it the last couple of shows. Great, and the last couple of segments as well, but I keep forgetting. Great minds think alike that uh, myself and Michael Russo are saying, hey, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Michael Russo said it after I said it. That doesn't mean he's listening to the show. He probably isn't. Um, probably not. I think that's one in a bajillion. Because Russo is, you know, worried about his own career, not necessarily listening to my show. Um that the possibility of losing Dumba for that $6 million annual value, so to speak, wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Uh, it would be it would have been great to get the, the greatest, you know, simplest thing ever, and it would have been the coolest thing ever. Like, hey, Edmonton needs a defenseman, and we need a center. Ryan Nugent Hopkins for Matt Dumba. Oh, wouldn't that be cool if it was that simple? But I guess possibly him or Carson Soucy. Um it's not going to be Nick Bukestad. He signed a one-year, $900,000 contract, like today, at least at this moment. So, Nick Bukestad's back. So, I'm going to say it's probably one of those two and There's a small chance it'll be Greenway. But now others are saying he's going to be protected, most likely. And he probably will. Uh, he he did a good job. Julek lerkson is absolutely not going to be there, obviously. Um, after signing that deal, that'd be funny. And I don't think Seattle would claim him at that price. I don't know. That's just me. Call me a jerk, call me uh, uh, call me an anti-wild, whatever you want to call me. But, yeah, it'll probably be one of those two, most likely, Jay. Thank you, awesome question, always. Derek Felska says, the trade market for number 24 is pretty underwhelming. And, of course, that's Matt Dumba. Do you think the return for him is guaranteed to, to be paltry because the rest of the league knows the Wild are desperate to free up salary and they hope we'll cut our losses and sell at a bargaining rate? I think that's a big problem, yeah. It's kind of like the whole situation, remember, back in that stupid... Yeah, it's just good timing, isn't it? Just like last time during the Vegas uh, expansion draft, when the Wild had to get rid of Pominville and uh, 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 Marco Scandello. We had to like, dump him. Like Scandello's like the Dumba this time. Dumba's the Scandella this time, so to speak. So we got rid of those two guys and brought in, was it, Tyler Ennis? And Marcus Foligno, which ended up, being, he ended up being way better than we thought, but he wasn't good right away. There, a lot of people say actually that trade was the final straw for Chuck Fletcher generally, but I, I think it was death by a thousand cuts just like uh, Paul Fenton, but it was uh, different types of cuts, it wasn't like alienating you know, members of the front office and making bad, you know personnel moves like bringing Anthony Potato and, you know, screwing up the whole defensive core for a while, they're like the the bottom end of it, so to speak um, it does kind of re that right now, doesn't it Derek? It's, it's starting to remind me of that Seattle freaking Kraken. Um, let's not make a stupid deal again and wind up losing like uh, Matt Boulding or something to the frickin' uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Wouldn't that be terrible? Oh, God. And you remember the guy I talked about segment uh, number two uh, that I would like to target. Uh, he played for, was it the OHL's Rangers? They're just like the New York Rangers. Um, and he had to play overseas because the OHL wasn't active this year. So, because of COVID, oh my God, we can't play at all yeah I, I just don't know about that there a lot of other te- leagues did and you know, they got through it um oh man uh the, the rest yeah it's it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough derek it is uh bill garen is certainly not in uh in the dire straits as uh chuck Fletcher was definitely but who knows? Maybe the contract by neck might lead to that later on down the road. I'm just kidding. Okay, maybe though. <laughs> you, you don't know. We don't know. It might end up being a, an albatross of a contract. Uh, you know, it, it could be. Mm, yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a tough situation there. But um, it's gonna be tough to to get a good return now, and that's a freaking shame. I wish so much. Maybe we made a move a little bit earlier. I think the Wild should have, um, but I don't know. Maybe we just weren't comfortable in some of those other, those two young right-shot defensemen. Brendan Menel, we don't know if he'll ever suit up for the Wild, but maybe. And, of course, uh, Kaelin Addison wasn't in the system yet. Here we go. Derek again says, if the Wild want to actually shop for a top-six center, one or more of number 22, uh, Kevin Fiala, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, or Julek Sinek probably has to be dealt along with Matt Dumba. Which one or two would you cut loose? They can't afford them all if they want to upgrade that position. Uh, Which one or two? Well, definitely Dumba. Oh, well, no, you said along with, yeah, Dumba, yes. Yes, I agree with that. At this point, it probably is Fiala, and I hate it, but it probably has to be Fiala. Probably. We're not hearing any contract conversation with Fiala. That's the interesting part. You knew, Act, they were going to do the best they can to sign him, and they did their best, all right. They did their best to sign him, because, uh, Dulek would have been a fool to not agree to an eight-year 5.25 uh, million. So Kirill Kaprizov is top priority, but even he might be, uh, according to, let's just say according to sources, because I don't want to get people mad and frustrated. I don't want any more Twitter uh, demons out there attacking the person. Let's just say <laughs> Twitter demons with that are a lot younger than me and the other guy. <laughs> he, he knows who he is, obviously. Um that we might even be wanting to shop uh, Kirill Kaprizov if this contract this year gets a little tougher, um, because it, it could be a problem. It could be a huge problem, um, because if it's going to be a short-term, it's going to wind up being a short-term deal, we could very much end up losing him for nothing, uh, just like we lost Marion Gaverick for, for absolutely nothing. Um, so that's how it goes. Uh, otherwise, probably Viala for now, but Kirill Kaprizov could even be on that list. And I'm going to add a soundbite here that uh, me and, let's just say, yeah, yeah, like me and Derek, back on April 1st, Derek Velska had a show together where we were talking about the situation of the Wild and this and that. Kirill Kaprizov's talking about how he wants to be the best player in the world. I would love that, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that's possible because, well, when you listen to the soundbite, you'll be like, huh. Well, I think, I think we are. I mean, the Minnesota Wild are not going to be a team, at least – even with Kirill Kaprizov, yeah. we're probably not gonna be a team that has one of the leading scorers in the league. You know, I, I look at the stats too and I see, you know, a player I realize it's Connor McDavid. Yeah. But he has like sixty five points. The yeah, top score like in the yours. wild has the, the top score in the wild is twenty seven. Mm, twenty seven, you know, yeah. We we don't even look no. like we're in the same league. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So yeah. Uh, i'm not so sure he's on a fast track to being the best player in the world but hopefully hopefully i mean let's just hope he is but uh him being carol capristoff but you just listen to that and it's like you no know, yeah i know i know it was his rookie year and this and that but uh, i don't know it's it's a it's a it's not easy to become the best player in the world uh regardless how you look at it uh Ho Game, my dog. Hopefully I'm getting this right. Shared from Derek Falski. Thank you very much. He was kind of uh, tweeting both of us. He was, and yes, I've heard of him, and where are Facebook followers, excuse me, Twitter followers, at Brave the Wild is where it is. Uh, Ho Game, my dog, says, what are the Wild's chances next year if they lose or trade Talbot? Could they win? Could they win with Capo as their top net binder? I think they can. I think they can. Obviously, you want to get a nice veteran backup. But some people are even going as far as to saying, re sign Alex Stalock, possibly. And I was even thinking that could be the, a direction the Wild go. It's like Stalock and Capo are like a um, platoon type of situation. That could be what happens. Otherwise, you know, yeah. And that's the crazy part. That's the one other position the Wild could lose, other than a Could be, uh, obviously, Talbot or Cabo, but there are other goalies out there available uh, that could make things uh, interesting for Seattle, where they wouldn't uh, go in our direction. I think Cabo Kakanen is capable of being a good netminder for the Minnesota Wild. I'm just not sure how great, unfortunately. Uh, looks like I have to go to the men, uh, notifications. For some reason, people don't. People either aren't using the uh, hashtag BGW, or it just seems to go this other direction for some reason. So I'm going to try to have to backtrack a bit if that's okay. Be patient with me here as we go back to the. Uh, yep, and thank you, Justin Baki, for uh, retweeting as well about the question. I wish he asked something though, Justin Baki of the Sound the Foghorn podcast and of, M W Prospects. Really, really appreciate that in a big way. That's weird. Oh, I didn't type. Did, did I type it in? It was there. Hmm. Let's just go this route. Probably safer for now, and that does stay in chronological order. That's the good part. Let's see if where did he go now? I had him, Derek Falske and some others. Yes, okay, let's just go with uh Brian Herrera for the moment. Brian Herrera was saying, Yes, that was me about the uh the Mackie and Judd. Uh, he was saying, You let your fans know how much you appreciate us, and I really do, I do, and I appreciate that. Uh, you deserve it for making the best wild podcast out there. Thank you, thank you so much for saying that. Uh, he says, and yeah, I wouldn't have found there if you didn't shout out to Judd, so only fair to let them know who sent me. And cool, thank you, thank you. And yeah, that, that is nice. And uh, even they said they appreciate it, especially Judd. Judd's probably a little nicer guy than Mackie, but I don't hate Mackie or anything. He comes off a little differently than Judd, that's just the way I see it. Let's just say I'm Gen X and Mackie's Millennial, and we see the world a little, a little bit differently. Mackie's like an old Millennial, and I'm like a young X, and then Judd's an old X. Yeah, okay, sorry. If I don't get off it, I'm gonna be the X ex- best wild podcast. Out there. X, right? <laughs> Brian Herrera says you might want to check out Mac. Oh, okay, yeah, the Mac and Chat podcast on YouTube today for the write that down segment, and that was why. That was wasn't that cool? Wasn't that cool? Thank you again, ah, Brian Herrera. So some of you out there that maybe listen to the show that happened to listen to that show as well. Well, that was Brian Herrera. Freaking cool, Derek Filska. Okay, this was like in the middle game stuff. Some kind of tweets back and forth. I get to some of that, but it's okay. Most of it's not really wild-related. Some of it is. Some of this is. What was the conversation here? I want to get to this one right now. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get to this. Because uh, it's related to that trade market for number 24 deal that Derek asked. Tom Larson, welcome aboard. You uh, most recently followed the uh, Twitter, and I, re- I follow back. Thank you, and welcome aboard, Tom Larson, in case you're listening. Um. Tom Larson was saying that's a damn good point about the possibility about being desperate. Uh, if we can't buy a buyer, find a buyer now, his price may drop later, or Wild can't get somebody to offer what they want in return. Derek Sells, if everyone knows you're selling, I don't think teams are going to give the Wild any lifeboats or gifts, <laughs> gifts of an offer. It's like putting out an ad in the paper and saying you, you have something to sell because you're moving. It means you will take less than value to move it. Yes, exactly. Like, I'm moving. I want to get, you know, I don't need this car or bicycle or something. And we're like, sweet. They're selling a mountain bike? Okay, let's go get that. I wish that would happen, like, now. I'd love to have a new mountain bike. Uh, please. I, I don't have to do that for the laptop anymore. Not that now. Uh, Tom Larson says, you know, there might be something to be said about Dumba if no one wants him, if... You catch my drift. Hmm. (laughs) Interesting. So, we'll move forward, if humanly possible. So, that's still the same conversation, but it's good that that it got organized that way. Tom Larson was saying, Minnesota Wild prospect Pavel Novak with prospect report on Pavel Novak. Yes, thank you for that. Check that out, out there, guys. Oh, my dog. Looks like, yep, yeah, I already read that one. I gotta go back. Thought I clicked like, but now I did. woo Um, do you think the Wild are losing? That's Jay Bushy. Yeah, I read that one. Thank you for that. Now it's kind of repeating, but that's okay. Here we go. Derek says Does the Minnesota Wild Blue Line lack the size and strength necessary for the playoffs, like Mondreal's bigger defense, of course, proved against Vegas? I think so. I, I think so. Uh, that's where a guy like Ian Cole is valuable to keep. A guy like Carson foot 6'5". Those guys are valuable. Very, very valuable. Lack of size is a problem. Um, I think if you can get somebody larger in for Dumba, that'd be nice. But the problem is Kalen Anderson's not real big. Brendan Mendel's not really big. Brodine's not super big either. Obviously, he's a taller guy, but he's, he's lighter. Oh, boy. I think we're kind of stuck. <laughs> I think we're kind of stuck there. Obviously, eventually, Suter, you know. Eventually, Suter will be gone, but it's not, probably not for a while. It is what it is right there. It kind of is what it is, like Spurgeon's ink forever, Brodine's inked forever. Uh, we're banking on Kalen Addison and or Brennan Menel. Guys like that. Dumb is not the biggest guy. He's got the big drive, but he's not the biggest guy, that kind of thing. So, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a damn good point, as uh, Tom Larson might say. Ian Cole and Carson Susie, Hopefully we can keep both of them, but maybe we can't. Maybe we can't for uh, either reason. Uh, Benino and Ian Cole still free agents at the moment. By the way, Derek Velska says, well, of course, and they should be, but uh, yeah, we'll move on. Uh, but I suppose you can re-sign your free agent first before the free agency opens, but yeah, it kind of is what it is. Derek Velska says, got a Minnesota Wilder? Any question burning on your mind? Jeff, thank you for that one. Okay, yep, I was saying, I can't believe it. Montreal all the way to the cup final. Eric Stahl must be stunned. Ray Pruban says, I'm very happy for him. Wild made a mistake trading him. And uh, I don't majorly disagree with that. Uh, we, we made a bit of, I don't majorly disagree, but I don't completely agree either. It's like they kind of needed to free up space to get things going, give guys time. time. That's how and that Sinek got a chance to really do something here, I suppose. We could have maybe saved some money, though. That's the other thing. Instead of having to ache him for a huge, huge contract. Uh, here's another one. Oh, yeah, Dex. Declan Goff talked about this on the John, John Zaki Show. Declan Goff, he's the uh, the other one there. He's a good, really good guy. Uh, I was saying I would do his uh, Dumba for a from Philadelphia deal in a heartbeat. He was thinking about that as a possible straight-up trade with the money and everything. Baker. Baker Wheeler, one, says Flyers would never but I'm afraid Fletcher may overvalue Dumba based off his time as Minnesota's shadow manager when Dumba was a stud young player before his injuries. <laughs> Pardon me. That's a possibility. The hope is you can get uh, Chuck Fletcher to give in something like that. That would be kind of funny. But uh, never know. Never know. Gorilla rumors. Jeb Declan Goff treated like, uh huh, kind of a gift there. I like that. Tom Larson says, absolutely, definitely one of my all time favorites. What were we saying there? Legend, yep. I said, talking about Derek Bukard, yep, talking about Derek Burgard. yep, talking about Derek Burgard it was his birthday, yeah, yep, definitely sad, sad, sad as heck story there, as we continue to move forward, could that be it already, it can't be, I thought there was Tom Han I know he was in here, so I may have to search a little bit, because, yeah, this is uh, kind of strange, I know Tom Han was in here, because Derek even mentioned it, me and Derek were talking about the Sega CD a little bit. Uh, Lunar the Silver Star. Not the Silver Star story complete for PlayStation 1. A lot of you have probably heard of that. Silver Star without the story complete part for Sega CD was a bajillion times better. It's not an opinion, by the way. It's not. Way better. Not even close. Don't ask me about uh, don't, or don't come to me and tell me the PlayStation version was better. Maybe it ran better. That's about it. Uh, the audio was a billion times better on, um, second cd uh the uh the the music quality of the gameplay everything they just messed around with it so yeah uh state of hobby was saying it'll be interesting to see what happens playing in a real division ramp up time for rookies goaltending regression if billy G doesn't add another center first top six via trade could finish second or seventh in division neither would shock me because what was i talking about oh yeah i was saying how it's kind of cool how the uh I was basically saying how it's pretty cool how the Wild I, I was saying how it's pretty cool how the Wild really uh, took Vegas all the way to the seventh game, even though they got past the Avalanche, and uh, Ray Proven was saying it's weird the Wild would not repeat beat the Avalanche. I agree with that. It's true. Santa Hoppies was saying it doesn't hurt that uh, the the Vegas played without the leading score. That was packed already. I agree. And Tom Haynes said Evens out, though, considering the Minnesota Wild play the Silver Bishops without an NHL caliber second or third without a second or a third line center, or a first or second line center, pardon me. Uh, and the hobby said, ha ha, not sure how that works, but I like the way you think. And he wasn't talking to me, he was talking to Tom. Uh, Tom was saying, as ugly as the team was at times this season, I'm not sure many fans realize how dangerous they will be next year with the infusion of Rossi, Boldy, et etc. Considering lineup deficiencies this season, the team finished 8th overall in the league. That is borderline silly. When the State of Hoppy was saying, oh, yeah, it'll be interesting because we'll be back in a much tougher division. So, yeah. Can't deny that. Can't deny that. I swear there was a Tom Hayen situation here. I was saying next season does look extremely promising. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out this summer. I can't wait. Tom Hayen was saying, we'll move Dumba, no doubt. Addison will be a permanent fixture, as will Rossi and Bully. Guessing uh, Bill Guerin uses his draft capital to move up in round one and grab the best center he could get. Back to back to normal schedule next year. The team's depth will really show. Could be could be damn cool if uh, things had that direction. Looks like I got a, a message. Me and Derek were talking off the bike quite a bit, and it was a lot of fun. Of course, uh, if we can really go back and forth in a good way, not fighting, just a lot of information back and forth, and this and that. And yep, good good. Uh, good guy obviously uh yeah but State of hoppy was kind of reminding me hey you know hey yeah the wild took Vegas deep but Max pack's ready didn't even play till game seven true 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 there was a Tom Hayden thing let's let's uh, see if I can get it here ptwmn this was back a backup it yeah and then it's obviously out of order which is a bummer some of these go all the way back over a year but hopefully, and I miss some of you, like Dave Johnson and such, that haven't been around lately. It's a damn bummer. I hope you guys come back.
0: Because
1: mm, I know a lot of yeah, you, some of these were on the recent show, not this one, of course. Yeah, I miss Dave Johnson. That was like a year ago. I haven't heard from him in forever. <laughs> Just want to make absolute sure, because I, I don't want to miss uh, anybody's conversation here. Because I feel like a jerk if I pass up on someone that has a good question, good conversation. But I'm not seeing the Tom and lightning rod. I thought there was one. Derek was saying there was, and I thought I saw it. Unless it was for the last show. I don't know. Probably not going to be able to find it. Unfortunately. <clears throat> oh, I think it might have been in there. Maybe he was seeing it from before. That could be. Let press this again. Maybe there was a response. Damn it does not seem to want to do what i want it to do unfortunately my god that is a bummer super bummer at the end of the day all right now i got things i'm an idiot uh all i did was press the button on latest that's kind of funny right here on the fly here i apologize and there's tom ann the silver bishops yep that is the Vegas golden knights minor league affiliate Henderson, Nevada. The Silver Bishops losing in the playoffs to a team that went 24-32 in the regular season. <laughs> Does it get any better than that? It's kind of like the North Stars and the Edmonton Oilers, isn't it? Yep, 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 pretty much. Pretty much, uh, Thank you, Todd, for that. It is kind of funny. It is funny. The Silver Bishops lost to Montreal. Yep. But uh, the defending champions probably won't, as re- lightning strikes twice. Yeah, yeah. Segment 1.5, obviously. <laughs> Tom Han lightning round. I love it. The lightning round, as uh, has been heard on other shows and uh, you know, other things. Tom Han says, considering the team can't keep Dumba on the roster and doesn't want to lose him in the expansion draft to the Squid, will Bill Guerin package him and a pick or two before the draft to grab the best available center? He's going to try to do the best he can to make the team better, as he says. The most boring uh, cliche there, I guess you could say. It wouldn't be the worst, though, because you give up. You gave up the, you know, yes, you lose him, but you also, you know, dissolve the $6 million cap uh, cap space. You also dissolve that and get $6 million in cap space added to help sign Kevin Fiala, possibly. So you might be able to keep Fiala that way if Seattle takes Dumba. Some people even go as far as to say Seattle wouldn't take Dumba. Interesting. It's possible that could go that direction, too, which is the darndest thing. I'm almost leaning that way. Uh, obviously, if the Wild can get something, that'd be great. I don't think we're in a huge hurry to deal away a lot of draft picks. Probably, possibly one. I don't think two picks. Obviously, that best center available when it comes to multiple picks is Jack Eichel. I think they want too much. I think the Jack Eichel dream is kind of out, uh, out the window because, like, the ship has sailed, so to speak. Too expensive. But I guess anything could happen. Lightning round continues. Ah... Uh, Tom Hayen, and now I know what I'm doing. Just freaking press late. It's just right there. Fire me. Fire me right now. Tom Hayen, <laughs> at least finally I know what to... Because I remember before, it used to be in chronological order. That's how it should be. Tom Hayen says, there are reports that Rossi and Boldy would need to be included in the trade for Ica, along with other assets. If Bill Guerin were to do this, would it be considered dumber than pissing into a work working electrical outlet? Yeah. Yeah, because I think Rossi has a chance to be an outstanding center in the league. Maybe not dominant like Eichel could be, but he's also got a possible neck injury situation. Obviously, well, he does, but I mean, and will like it have long, uh, lasting effects? Montreal still up one nothing. Interesting, man. Things getting very nasty hmm. in the game. More than halfway through, one nothing Montreal. Maybe they'll stay alive, stay alive, at least for another night. Uh, Rossi and Boldy. And it would be like other picks. probably, And Dumbo would be thrown in as well, probably, just to match the money. And then you got to ink him to $10 million plus. Or you know, or not ink him. You We're know, on the books. He's on the books for $10 million plus. See, it's like not only that, but the money is a big thing. And Edmonton's got too much money tied into two guys, obviously. They're very top-heavy. They're very good at the top. But they have nothing else at all. Uh, they don't have a defenseman. They don't even have a goalie, really. Mike Smith's okay, but he's a stopgap, and he's ancient. He's ancient. Um, Yeah, I didn't click like and I I didn't see him. Stupid, stupid Joey for not pressing the latest button. Rossi could still end up being fantastic. Boldy could end up being really good. Some people think he's more of like a, you know, just a really good second line type of a guy with some power. Like he's not a star. Maybe he is. Boldy, I think there's something more than just kind of just a powerful guy who can score a little bit. He might end up being a, a, a damn good player still. And Rossi better be because, my God, in the OHL, yes, it's the OHL, but he looked, out of all the other guys, my jaw dropped when I watched Marco Rossi, just like uh, Pinelli this year. My jaw dropped, absolutely dropped, like, there, there's something here. So, I hope I'm right about Rossi. Uh, they seem to think I was. Okay, I'm just kidding, even though they don't know me. They seem to be thinking similarly to me. Um... And Eichel, he's had good moments. He's had not good moments. Obviously, there's talent, but I, 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 I don't know. Uh, let's get to Tom again. He says, please, for the love of Clint Malera, Malerchuk, that probably sounds better. Will the league take a harder look at the officiating this offseason? I hope so, because uh, it's, been, it's been frustrating as hell. And a lot of people have been complaining about it. So I wouldn't want to have to be their officials right now. Uh, they're under hot lights right now. They're going to be under hot lights, no doubt about that. As we move forward, Brian Herrera read that one. Read Derek there, and the blue line from there. Tom Hain, a new one says, "Wagon circling commences in four months with Boldy, Ross, Edison, etc. on the full-time roster." And I, I, can't wait. I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait at all. Uh, Derek was saying, listening to Brave the Wild as Pelsingo Life wraps up the 2021 Wild season. This and that. As I was wrapping up the season in that sense, now I'm doing the major wrap-up in this episode, and Brian Herrera shared it multiple times. Thank you, Brian. You're awesome. And I think we're caught up now. That's where that wonderful uh, latest button saved the day. Thank you, Lord, for latest. Latest. That's the best way to do it. Thank you. Uh, with that said, can't thank you guys enough for your interaction. I should have tweeted out something about the biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, and... Big, uh, big uh, an MVP, but I think it would have been almost all the same. Obviously, MVP would have been Kirill. Biggest disappointment probably, like a Marcus Johansson. Most likely him. Maybe some dumbas in there. This and that. Maybe, maybe some other odd ones like not playing cat kind of enough. Something like that. Who knows? Maybe some people might have even turned on the coach in the postseason for being kind of stubborn with the lineups and uh, the uh, power play type lineups. Power play and penalty kill. Stuff like that can get damn frustrating after a while. So that's part of the part of the game. That's part of the frustration of it all. So I just can't thank you guys enough for your interaction. Please tell your friends about the show. Thanks again, Brian. You are the best. And uh, anybody else out there that hasn't uh, that loves the show that hasn't interacted with me not, uh, yet, come say hi. I don't bite, you know. Come say hi on Twitter, Facebook, uh, this and that. Twitter especially, though. At Brave the Wild. At Brave the Wild We'd be greatly appreciated. Major shout outs to. MNW prospects, I, I work with them but didn't really much this year because the junior leagues I cover, the Wild didn't have any uh, prospects in those leagues this year so that's just kind of how that goes like Hovey went off to the KHL and MHL, you know uh, Rossi didn't play at all of course I don't think he was going to play in the Q or the British Columbia Hockey League or anything <laughs> Nestoranko went to college uh, this and that uh, the other guy went to the AHL um, that was in the queue before, so that's just kind of how that goes. Uh, Nestorenko was the only Minnesota Wild prospect in the British Columbia Hockey League, and he went to college and uh, had a pretty damn good season in college, so looking forward to what he does in a big way. Can't wait to see uh, his production, Nikita Nestorenko. Russian name, but, uh, but, a, but a New Yorker playing at Boston College, so it's going to be interesting to see how his career progresses. Love MNW prospects. Pavel Bonet Merrick Skybuffy still does it. They're both from the Czech Republic. But Pablo Blanette, obviously, is the main guy, the uh, the top dog, so to speak. Uh, Justin Pocky. Brian and Quast, awesome guys. Awesome, awesome guys who are also very good writers. Minnesota Wild Wilderness uh, is uh, where Brian and Quast writes. He also writes for Gone Puck Wild a little bit. I write for Gone Fuck Wild, but I've been missing an action Um of late, just always freaking busy. Uh, Lake Martin, what an awesome guy! I, I guess he's no longer going to be the uh, the site expert. He's kind of moved, uh, passed it on to someone else. Lake Martin, just in case you're listening, you're a great guy. I Really appreciated everything. I was a very busy guy, looking to get into uh, other careers, uh, career uh, avenues, this and that. So. It, it is what it is you know it is what it is but what an awesome guy he is uh, obviously a great writer and did a great job as the site expert for Gone Puck Wild really appreciate him just in case he's listening uh, major shout outs to Minnesota Wild Global on Facebook Minnesota Wild Nation also on Facebook Patrick Turner for that one uh, otherwise on uh, Minnesota Wild Global David Kostick Chance Kostick Kathy Main Chad Walski of course Scott Cavendish is the founder and a great guy also uh, David Abraham Michael Fick, Austin awesome hockey community of course, Derek Pelska at Crease and Assist, at Crease and Assist. Obviously that is the Twitter account and of course the blog is Cre- crease and assist for the Sports Daily. Just google it and keep up with the Wild forever him and uh, him and his wife, his wife usually writes the uh, the the game previews, Derek writes the the reviews and of course other articles Minnesota Wild related. Just does an unbelievable job. He's an inspiration. And he's a great guest on podcasts like this one and and others out there. He's just been fantastic. His hockey knowledge is insane. I really enjoyed listening back to that episode this weekend when I was out doing uh, cutting grass. So, or actually today, pardon me during during today in the morning, out uh, cutting grass. It was it was so worth it at the end of the day. So, hopefully the Minnesota Wild can continue heading in the right direction. We'll just have to keep discussing things as we move forward as this summer could get damn interesting. The next episode will be the Draft and Free Agency 2021. Can't wait to see what we got to say on that one. Until next time, take care and God bless.